Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to another live edition of Midweek Motorsport. I'm John Heindorf. It is just after 8 o'clock in the evening and it's dark. I, I, I almost feel that winter has already started. Uh, dear. Um, however, this is Series 12, Episode number 38. And up in London is our executive producer, Tim. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. The darkness does have its advantages, though. I I dread to ask, but go on. It means that I can sit in the studio and enjoy only the sound of this uh, programme with the window open and not the screeching of the parakeets that I get during the day. When did you move to... Oh my god, this jungle will never end. You've got uh, wild parakeets, don't Yes, there? wild parakeets. Excellent. Not not just here, they're all over the UK. RSPB estimates around 10,000 of them. And most of them outside your window? Uh, three of them outside my window, yes. Uh, so it's actually a trio of keats, not a parakeet. Indeed. And on a packed programme tonight we have what? I'm feeling better than I thought I would do, having just got off a plane this morning. Uh, on a packed programme tonight we have what? We have all the usual features. Excellent. Thank you very much to American Airlines uh, for looking after me uh, en route back from uh, Atlanta. A couple of extra days doing some uh, meetings. And hopeful, I was hoping to see some Michelin tyre testing going on on, sun, on Monday. But uh, the weather was against us. Uh, for that at Road Atlanta. So all the usual features, that's good. Yep. That's uh, uh, news, uh, American news. Um, we'll have uh, possibly some news in Spanish. Oh. Uh, we've got a special guest in the second hour. In the second hour? He's okay. talking about something that's newsy. Newsy, right. Uh, we have our regular contributors, or at least Nick Damon. We may have some others. Yes. Graham Goodwin's on a plane, I think. Yeah, we won't have Graham Goodwin. I was hoping to bump into Graham um, at the airport uh, this morning and record something, but then I remembered I was flying back to Manchester and he was going out of Terminal 3 at Heathrow, so that was a bit of a logistical nightmare, frankly. Yeah, you wouldn't have bumped into him. Well, if I had, something had gone horribly wrong. OK. Uh, apologies for absence from anyone? Uh, there are if you. Uh, it's at Specutainment, uh, if you don't mind, this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, Simon Hoff says he's just finished the catch-up of all of our coverage from last weekend, so that means he's going to catch at least part of this show live. Um, 
who else did I see? Uh, Megan's Motorsport already uh, playing the name game with the time of year. He says, I'm sure Justin Hawkins would agree that the darkness is great. Very good. Uh, hello to the little Endy listening in tonight. Listening live Lipton Tea while loading up iPod with Radio Le Mans podcast in preparation for heading off the grid next week. No apologies needed from Cam Walsh. Just got a promotion. Might as well tune in and enjoy the show. Cam, we salute you. Uh, Jackie's in. Hello, Jackie. Thanks for your hard work at the weekend. Listening live for the first time, Christopher. Not sure where you are around the world, uh, Chris, but good to hear you're in. And listening on his drive home from Cleveland, Ohio, Phil Linderman uh, tuned in tonight. Uh, as is Nikki Swan. Glad I've only got to choose one channel. Wow, what a weekend of motorsport. <laughs> you're not wrong there, Nikki. Wouldn't it be odd if we were to do this show or different shows but simultaneously on different channels on a Wednesday night? Chris Suku has apologies for absence. Wrong part of the world. Catching up on the podcast will be a, a pleasant distraction. And oh, I think that'll do for now. Uh, let's have uh, let's have the jingle for the news. <laughs> All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And what we're starting with tonight as you've shuffled your papers. It could be anything. It could uh, be anything. We're going to start with some Formula One. Hooray! Which means saying good evening to our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Nick, have you been to Silverstone today? No. Who has been to Silverstone today? Everybody. Uh, no one. Well, sh- can't. Th- Nobody. Well, not, no. Well, apart from the Williams team, a three-year-old car. The Williams team have. And uh, which of the Williams team's drivers has been uh, None there? of them. None of them. Not even the reserve driver. He didn't get a go either. So who was having a go? Robert Kubica. Is this the test that was paid for by, um, by Lance Stroll's dad? No. Or is this another one? No, this is his test to see whether he can become the driver for next year. Okay. Well, so this was tests. a 14 car. He's having a test in the 14 cars. Apparently, it went okay. We're not, not issuing any details at all about having a lap or anything. And obviously, it was a nice day. It was a bit miserly, but I think they probably got quite a bit of dry running in the middle of the day. Uh, and they're off to Hungary again uh, next week to test him and Mr. P. DeResta on this 14 car back to back. And then at some point, they'll make a decision about who to put in the car for next year. Wow. Which apparently won't, won't be Felipe Massa. I may have to eat a marinated hat. Well, there we are. I, I, I never thought it was possible, so what would be interesting if it does, and good luck to Robert. Um, but yes, yeah, so they're obviously trying to test to see how, use, how, how useful the arm is and how much of a hindrance it is. Much as Renault did, but Renault obviously had a quick option for Carlos Sainz, so they took that. So everyone's, seen, everyone's kind of saw that as a snub for, for Robert, but it was much more a case that their stars aligned. They got what they wanted in the first place, so they, they snapped it up. Uh, and now, if there's only one decent seat available, um, theoretically both Sauber seats are available, but we know they're not really, um, he's chasing it with his new, obviously with, the, with of course his new manager, Nico Rosberg, and uh, the backing of the whole of Poland. Nico has some Williams ties, doesn't he? He does. I, I remember interviewing him at Williams when we went that marvellous day in Valencia. Um, no, it was he we made a grove of him. Yes, Valencia, Robert Kubica got around the wrong way there. Wasn't a bad day actually. Robert Kubica and Sebastian Vettel. I was chatting with the BMW launch those years ago. What's ever happened to either of them? I oh, know nothing really. And Nico Rosberg at uh, Williams. 
I can't for the life remember who his teammate was that year. Let's uh, go on to the Grand Prix that happened at the weekend. Yes. That was in Japan. It was the big, big in Japan. Aha. Yes, that was a Grand Prix where we finally had the two main protagonists of the entire championship on the front row together, racing and raring to go for 50-something laps of, of, of unbelievable non-stop action. It's going to be close. They're going to fight. Who knows who can win? And uh, Fettel's engine <coughs> broke. <coughs> yeah, Fettel's engine broke, which wasn't very useful. Especially as Lewis didn't get a very good start. But even uh, Lewis's bad starts. But we did find five, out something. Better than five-cylinder uh, Ferrari. We find out something. Ferrari have the most expensive spark plugs well, in the world. I was sitting there because Craig Correa did a sell. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. The championship was gone for 59 euros. A spark plug costs 59 euros. Blimey, I can get six for three quid at the classic car show. Yeah, they probably wouldn't foot the Ferrari. Uh, <laughs> they they are made uh, in a factory by unicorns <laughs> with magic dust. That is just uh, a twenty-minute drive away from Suzuka. It's NGK, isn't it? Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Oh dear. Well, it's, it's yeah. I'm sure they have enough sense. They should have worked out it wasn't sparking. But apparently, um, they actually did exactly the same thing on Lewis's car and placed one of his spark plugs in Park Ferme overnight. And of course, the coil pack as well because they're, they're all linked. That's why the 50... Does uh, uh, the 59 euros include the coil pack? I wouldn't have thought so. I remember having to replace... It 300 quid in an Audi. <laughs> I remember having to pl- replace one on a straight six Jaguar that Joe eventually got. And I think he did all of them after the ones I did. And, and they were about 60 or 70 quid then. Yeah, so... That was a decade ago. I think they can afford it. I don't think it was a financial reason they kept running the plug, but... Uh... So why couldn't... Why couldn't they get it... When did it go... They, they realised it had gone when he pulled out of the pits. And, and yeah, it's not an easy thing to change. Minutes. You think about how tightly packed everything is. It's not a case like with me. With if I was going to try to you can't just lift the uh, bonnet yeah, up and exactly. change it. If I was going to replace the spark plug on the TR4, it would take me, we've had the right tools, two minutes, minute and a half. But obviously you've got to unpack all the packaging um, to get anywhere near the top of the engine with the plenum chambers and everything else. The side of the engine, of course, is the V6. And, obviously, uh, and, and let's be honest, it's having owned a number of Italian cars, they're not famed for their easy access. For example, when I had my Fiat X19, yes, I did, that was taking significantly longer to get the spark plug out um, because it was kind of canted over in a difficult position. Mm. I'm yeah. sure that was what they said as well. Mm. That's a right canted over to get to. Yes, and um, yes, yeah, so they did a few laps and he broke down, and that was it. And he's now 59 points behind. How many? 58. 59. 59, yeah. How many I, points are there available? One. I can't remember points, but it's 52. Oh, uh, there's 100 left, and Lewis only needs to come fourth in the rest of the races. So, uh, so my prediction was entirely correct at the start of the season. I know. Well done. So Mystic, Mystic John. Lewis Hamilton has previously won the championship in Austin. Is he going to do that again? Only if Ferrari have more uh, reliability no. issues. So, yes. No. Um, no, Lewis is very strong in Austin. Uh, the car seems okay. It's The temperature should, should be there or thereabouts. They've got the right selection of tyres. They can completely skip up the super soft if they want to. Mm-hmm. So, they've got a very good chance because Red Bull are resurgent in the race, not so much in qualifying. Uh, my it guess matter, is though, does it? no. But it doesn't matter for Red Bull because Red Bull could win all the rest of the races and Lewis doesn't care. It just takes it longer. If Red Bull wins the race, Lewis is fine with it. Mm. He's more Obviously, he doesn't want Ferrari to win the races. Or a certain Ferrari. I think he'd quite like to add to the number of races he's won as well. Yes, and I think I think he'd probably learn 
when he eased off at the end of two years ago, and then gave those three those three or four wins at the end of the season to um, three wins to to Rosberg. It carried Rosberg through the seasons. So I'm mm. sure we won't see that again. It'll be, be pushing every single race. But of course, it is very much a three car race now with um, three manufacturer race with with Red Bull's um, various revisions really putting the car into competitive positions. Not quite exactly there, but enough so when they get running in the race, they're close enough. Um, yeah, so it's going to be... I think we'll get, we may well get some good races. It does seem the Championship is decided, and certainly the Constructors' Championship is decided, because they would need all the Mercedes to break down all the time not to get enough points to win that. Uh, Sergio Marchione. Was he very reserved and made no ridiculous comment and said it's absolutely fine? Uh, he said Ferrari needed to improve its quality control. Yeah, I'd, I'm not really sure about this. I think I think this is this is, this this yes, la, the Malaysian stuff was was very much a case where they made a, a quality uh, mistake and, and and but that's the first one I've heard of for a while. And a spark plug failing is just bad luck. I mean, I think the problem was they didn't identify. It. And the question I have to ask is why couldn't they identify it? Um, because obviously the engines get run up in the garage uh, long before the cars drive out. So what was the reason where this this fault wasn't showing up during static revving and that sort of thing? So. Um, you kind of have to do something off this kind of catalogue of errors over the last three races that Ferrari have had. Of course, one was nothing to do with reliability at all, it was to do with their team leader crashing into everybody else. Um, they need to make statements about how they're going to improve it, and they need to uh, show something to the uh, Italian public they're moving forward. And, um, yeah, it's a, an interesting situation. I think they, they, they are in a position where we kind of think, do they now actually go, we've lost it, and transfer all the work over to next year? What's Ferrari done to improve quality control? They've employed a lady. They have. Maria Mendoza, uh, previously supplier quality powertrain for Europe, the Middle East and Africa for the Fiat Chrysler Group. So how does that mean the the powertrains in Middle East and Africa are more reliable than ones in America or Europe? It suggests that they have uh, different quality control. Well, you'd need it's you'd very more, interesting. It's rougher over there, isn't it? More dusty and more unmade roads. Well, compared to... Where? Well, Africa has more unmade roads. Yes, than but she's doing America. Europe and the Middle East and Africa. So compared oh, to Europe South bit, America, sorry. where uh, depends where the cars are built. Yeah, there we are. See the. Uh, do we think it is going to be Arrivederci, Arrivederci? That would be what tends to happen with a knee-jerk action. But actually, what he's done, if you think about it, is he's managed to preside over a quantum leap forward in, in, in competitiveness. So, you know, things go wrong. He hasn't... I think The thing I'm slightly more concerned about him with is he seems very, very spiky about talking to the press when things he's aren't going well. He's been taken out of the, the whole um, talking to press. He's taken himself out of it. Now, did he take himself out, or was it Marchioni? He's taken himself out of it. Marchioni isn't at most races. He, he's decided he doesn't speak to the press. No, 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 But was that the decision? It's, it's the, it is the vice principal now who's well, been doing the talking. Isn't well, they've it? kind of gone. At they, the they, start of the season, for went to kind of radio silence, where they were only doing literally what they had to, wouldn't do anything outside of it. So, um, they've decided they want to. Yeah, you know, they're going to their, 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 their action on the track talk for them, and up until three races ago, the action on the track was going quite well. But and now it's not, so they well, need a spokesman. I think the other thing you have to remember is, I think what's getting missed out in all this is that Lewis is really, doing, he's really driving very well indeed. Often in a car that doesn't actually want to be driven as well as it is. Because I think this has been, second half of this season has actually been some of Lewis's best yeah, work. I think, I, th- I think he couldn't, I think even the most ardent Lewis anti-person couldn't disagree with the fact he's been absolutely brilliant over the last nine races or so. Well, and also, start, and if you compare, as we talked about last week, wasn't it, uh, if you compare what Bottas has been able to get out of the car, 
and mm. Bottas has been all at sea when yeah. the car hasn't been where it needed to be in these few races. Lewis hasn't been as competitive as usual, but he still wrung results out of well, it. Well, I think the the fact is, you know, Lewis is... He has be- more experience. No, 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 Lewis, wrong, Lewis is by far the best driver on a Saturday. On a Saturday. Um, he's, he's the best qualifier out there. Um, the car is a good qualifying car, so it is normally starting in the front. I think it is, when you get into race trim, if you take a cross-section of every single race so far, it is the third best car in race trim. Certainly at the moment it is. At the start of the season, Red Bull were off. They got their correlation, the wind tunnel sorted out. But I would think that any, that most drivers, once you got past qualifying, much rather be in a Red Bull or a Ferrari than the Mercedes at the moment. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 12, episode 38. Hello to Sarah Rigby. 8 o'clock is my favourite time on a Wednesday. It's quarter past now. I wonder if it's still her favourite time. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. Thanks for listening. Uh, a huge conversation now on Twitter, at Specutainment, <coughs> about spark plugs. What cost of? Uh, yes. Uh, rotation says, God, dealer rates, eh? I got six NGK spark plugs replaced for about 60 euros. Mine's a flat six, presumably running a Porsche. David Tubrew, straight back. That's what. That's good. NGK plugs are fifteen pounds each for my car, my local garage. Went for Bosch in the end at eight pounds each. Did have one failure though. No. Other spark plugs are available. Did it cost me a Grand Prix though? No. Didn't say that. But who? Who gaps them properly? They got little feeler gauges. Um, Yes, I think I've still got my feeler gauges. Yeah, we have to feel the gauges. As you, actually, as, do you but, have, still have points on your car as well? No, I, I, put, I bought okay. some electronic condition for it. But no, actually, I actually bought some feel the gauges. Remember now, I actually didn't, couldn't find my old rusty ones, which wouldn't be very accurate anyway. So, I so they're sat on a shelf in the garage, are they? They are. They are shelf queen feel the gauges, just waiting for that time. I need to gap those plugs. Um, I haven't got overhead cams. I haven't got to do bucket shims. So it's, uh, that's about all I need to do, really. Might have to slightly do the tappets. And next week on Midweek Motorsport, we'll have more insight into what's in Nick's garage. <laughs> oh, that could be a that could be a multi-part. I'll tell you what, there's there's a pretty eclectic mix of stuff in my garage. It would be. There's entire there's entire portable broadcast studio in there. Uh, let's take you back to the past though first. <laughs> you can't, we'll take you back to Just the future. Back with, uh, to Michael last Jeffers. week. Yes. Uh, when Nick Damon oh. said. Uh, I heard a groan there, Nick. Why did you groan? Because never back-reference what you've done in the past. It's like if you read a copy of Autosport from four years ago, uh, and all their predictions, none of them come true. Yes. Uh, Nick Damon said there's no such thing as a watertight contract in Formula 1, except the ones apparently written by Jonathan Palmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, and I stand by that because Hang on. because to water them down involves large amounts of Renault money. Didn't we? We had this conversation and I said, I'm sure he writes contracts the way that certain people that I used to work for wrote contracts where to get out of them would cost you a lot, a lot of cash. I would think enough money possibly to fund the IndyCar drive. Yes, I would think exactly that. Yeah, two and a half mil probably. Uh, we'll come back to IndyCar drivers in a minute. Uh, so Jolyon Palmer's had his last race for Renault. Yeah, and they got all kind of, oh, really sorry to see you go. It was a they great time together. Out. And I was thinking, that's so hypocritical. You've unceremoniously dumped him to the curb. You've whinged about him all season. Oh, we're so sorry to see you go. And Carlos Sainz has had his last race for Toro Rosso. How did well, that go? He went brilliantly. He made at least three corners before he bought out a safety car. Uh, so I'd fallen asleep by then already. Oh, well, you can't have done that. That was on a different time zone, of course, I, and I had just, just sat through ten hours of Bathurst. Uh, 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 ten hours of Petit Le Mans, which I'd stood through. Um, so I'd been, I'd been up since half past five in the morning, 
and not sat down since about half past nine and uh, got it on and watched the warm-up lap saw Vettel stuttering and that's all she wrote I'm not even sure I saw the start to be honest I may have dreamt it woke up for the last lap though as I often do yes the commentators get more excited at the end why? I don't know they go home like a tea they're looking forward to uh, taking a break, probably. Mm. I noticed it at the end of Petit Le Mans, John get very excited. It's quite exciting, that's <laughs> why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was actually stuff going on. Don't show off. Uh, so we've got anyway, back, to, back yeah. to Toro Rosso. So what, yes. So after what four a tight corners, contract. Four corners, Carlos Sainz fell off. So uh, Toro Rosso uh, have lost Carlos Sainz yes. because the 10-day activation clause uh, on his Renault contract was activated... Uh, in time. I'm sure that involves some money as well. I'm sure that probably does. <laughs> so Renault's splashing uh, the cash here. Well, it, they it, have they previously think... got rid of Daniel Kvyat to replace him with uh, Pierre Gasly. Mm-hmm. Pierre Gasly can't do the next race because Honda, who are paying for him, uh, would like him to win the Super Formula oh, well, they backed title. Out on that. They backed out on that the following day, didn't they? Uh, I'm hearing that they... Still wavering over that. Mm. Well, this is very interesting, isn't it? Because that would mean with Kvyat, because what we did think, oh, well, Gasly and Kvyat will see out the year. France, uh, not France Tost, um, yes, is it France, who, who runs the year? France, yes, France Tost, yeah. Toast. Uh, said that he wasn't guaranteeing that it was I going like to be... a bit be, of toast. Just a little bit of. Um, it wasn't guaranteeing that it would be Gasly and Kvyat for the rest of the season. And it now seems there may be a vacancy in Austin to be taken out from someone who's easy to phone up, knows what he's doing, has driven the simulator and has a Red Bull contract. And a super licence. And a super licence. Now, how would you, who would that be? I think there's only one driver who fulfils that category, those uh, things. Criteria uh, was the word you were looking for. Criteria is what is the word I was looking for. Hmm. It's not bad. I've been up all day. <laughs> yeah, so, so I would have crashed be, after this. It would be Sebastian Boemi. So. Sebastian Boemi is correct. And, and the good thing is most of his points for the super licence have come from Formula E, which is very similar in speed. No, hang on. But Boe- isn't Boemi also doing super formula? No. 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 Okay. No, it's a lottery, isn't it? Sorry. So that may happen. They get a chance to test everybody, but uh, it's still kind of gone, gone a bit wobbly about whether Gasly will have to try and win Super Formula or not. Um, he didn't have a pretty good race, if, if truth be told. He loused it up in some ways on a couple of occasions, on the track he knows. So he needs to uh, buck his ideas up in the next couple of races to, to guarantee he can get a role in uh, Toro Rosso. And the, the problem, like I said this last week or two weeks ago, they are becoming a works team, so they're going to have works team's aspirations. And and if Kvyat and Gasly doesn't, you know, regardless how good they may be or may have been, doesn't really fill with a massive points pot gathering exercise. It, yeah, it's not top line headline, is it? It will be the weakest team in F1 Ooh. if Sauber sign who we think they're going to sign. Okay. Uh, rotation says, can we roll Nick's garage? What's in Nick's garage into the random wheelbase facts section? You could do because yeah. it'll take you a long time. Okay. Moving on. Is there not a rule about how many driver changes you can have per car per season? Um, there yeah, used to about, be. I think it's three, isn't it? I thought it was you allowed two in one car and one in the other. Mm, they should be fine anyway because they've changed back. They've, so they've still are currently only used a pool of three drivers, so using a pool of four drivers wouldn't be a problem. But if Kriak goes back into the car that he vacated for Gasly, mm-hmm. that's the second change in that car, so you can only have one change in... I think they count changes as 
completely new people. So going back again, so if Barry comes back in the car, it doesn't count against you, because otherwise if a guy was injured, Correct. Um, then you, you, you'd be penalised for him being missing a race because he's injured. So it's it's just different names. And that's driver wang. Absolutely. Okay, but if Gasly comes back yeah. and Kriat's come back mm-hmm. and we have Boemi who's only doing one race mm-hmm. and they've already used someone else, uh, Science. Maybe you're still allowed to, you're allowed to have that many drivers. Okay. And Just also, at the same time, and also don't forget, there is everything is allowable if you ask the stewards. You can't be given a waiver. You can't be given a waiver. If Force everybody else, your, all the rest of the stuff is not an issue. If everybody else says it's okay and signs. No, the just the stewards. Okay. Gasly will end up driving both cars, though. Well, the only the more interesting again, point, not no, at the same time. The more can we make interesting point? points about this is is Kvyat going back into his own car because obviously each car. Uh, holds the various penalties for extra engine and uh, ah, engine so and that sort of thing. If Riyadh was to go into Sainz's car, then they could do this. You're mm. right. Now that, that would be the one change on Sainz's car, and then you could use Sainz, uh, sorry, Kriat to Gasly, Gasly to Boemi. Yeah. Boemi crosses back it across back to Gasly, and it's in the back of the net! <laughs> sorry, did we... But that was one of the other things. That, 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 that was one of the other very sad... Because Renault was so sad losing Jolie, and they just stuffed his car full of penalties because when Carlos Sainz picks it up, it'll have a fresh engine in it. Because they didn't need to take the penalties. It was just literally, they thought, we don't want him, we'll stick him at the back, and it's fine, and then we'll just uh, take a, 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 a shed full of penalties. Just to finish that bit off, John, because they said, well, Renault was spending a lot of money. Well, they think that Sainz can win him 10, 15 points, mm-hmm. which they don't think that Palmer can do. That'll more than pay for it in the prize money. It's a very close... Situation in sales, Haas and... That's what uh, the points make? They make cash. Yes. Not prices, cash. cash. Cold, hard, hard dollarinos. Yes. And uh, Williams are all within 13, 14 points. So, obviously, Hulkenberg and How much and would Saint, that make? To, how much does that... I think it's four and a half to six and a half million a position. Really? So, if so, even if they've blown a couple or three million dollars, it's probably... Yeah, they can get one place up and they're only a point behind Haas or a point ahead of Haas. So, they'll either retain it or get past it. Right. Good. Very good. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 12, episode, what did I say it was, 38 at the start of this. Nick Damon is with me, John Hindoff, at uh, Hindoff Towers. Tim Gray is up in London and has this. The winner of the uh, Formula Ford Festival in 2001 yeah. right. went on to be the 2003 British Formula 3 champion. Right. And now he's uh, developed a special glove. Oh yes, I don't know who this is by the way, but I know about the glove. Excellent. This is Alan van der Merwe. The medical car driver. Who, for the last eight years, has been driving Formula One's medical car. And now he's got a medical glove. It's like a special glove. Right. It's got a built-in uh, biometric chip stroke uh, reader, and it will measure the heart rate and the oxygen content? The blood oxygen, yes. Um, of the drivers uh, to help with instant feedback on, on what they're doing in an accident. Apparently, you can learn a lot from those two so he just items. just lays his hand on, does he? Which is broadcasting the whole time. It's, so broadcast, get, uh, it's not broadcasting the whole time. They're not allowed to take measurements from the drivers when they're just driving around. Only activated in an accident. Oh, OK. Well, that's the point. So they drive up, they'll go, oh, he's got blood of, uh, you know, a pulse of 92 or 170 or 26. And so they'll... So, uh, so, uh, sorry. So each of the drivers has got one of these in one they glove? They will have it in one glove, yeah. Oh wow! He's sewn in the. the it was the it was inspired by Carlos Sainz, uh, the 2015 Russian Grand Prix when he uh, lost control of his Toro mm. Rosso, uh, hit the barrier head on, oh, yeah. and became buried by bits of foam barrier. Mm. 
so when the doctor arrived on the scene, he had no way of uh, measuring his vital signs. His uh, vital signs, because all he could see was foam. So while he was waiting for the marshals to clear the foam away, if he'd been wearing this glove, he'd have known that Carlos Sainz was absolutely fine. Do they also use the um, deceleration uh, sensors in, in the their ears? Yes. They've got They've those. been used though, using those for a long time. They used those in IndyCar for yeah, a long time. I remember John Flynn um, from Hear Everything talking about that ages ago. That's done for potential concussion tests, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They must have been using those for well over five years, yeah, probably I agree. closer to ten I think most championships use those now. Do you ever feel that being covered in foam is something that's more likely to happen when Jamie Agosware is around, playing the decks in Ibiza? Yeah. On the ones and twos. With the foam party. Yes, you didn't have to explain that. Well, no, I think you you were blanketed what I thought was actually quite an intelligent and clever mix of Red Bull drivers and careers. I'm not sure that John had uh, put together Jaime Agosware being a Red Bull driver. No, no, I, I, I... Let's just move on. <laughs> there's there's no way I can get out of that uh, with any form of honour. This move gives on. us more bang for the buck, says Alan van der Moer. Pulse oximetry is one of those metrics where for a little information you can deduce quite a lot. You can change what you're doing in a rescue scenario based on that one metric. Has he become a... It's like he qualifies as a doctor now or something. I wondered this because he does seem to be saying lots of quite medical things in. Uh, he said stat in this press. CBC's came seven stat. Such as Latin for now. Well, yes, I, know I want that. it now. I want it. <laughs> I all. want it now. Uh, and he watches a lot of AR <laughs> and careers in that of probably. Probably uh, more like a house for the sort of thing that they do. Um, but they're all irascible with one leg. That works. Experimental, I was going to say. Okay. Uh, so anyway, Dif- special gloves for Formula One drivers, and uh, they will be uh, hoping to expand that to other forms of motorsport and other industry sectors as well. Differ- differential mm. diagnosis, that is. Yes. Uh, moving on. Moving on, we're going to leave Fuji. Oh, bye! Because we weren't at Fuji in the first place. No, we were at Suzuka. We're going to leave Suzuka. <laughs> we're not going to Fuji. We're going to Jerez. Hurrah! Hareth! Haru! Haru! <laughs> uh, and, and other Spanish tracks. That's, uh, so, first round is a hurrah, second round is a rest, and third round is a Harama. Harama. Harama! Hurrah! Hurrah! I didn't get a harump from that man. What, what's what's it, that from? It'll be Gilbert and Sullivan. Blazing Saddles. Alright. Okay. No change there, no, no difference there at all between Blazing Saddles and uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, Although it did sound to very move, much move. like a bit from the parts of Penzance. Yes, that's that what I was thinking. Well, I am the very picture of a modern major general. Keep going. Model. Model of a modern major general. But I thought it was more like the uh, uh, policeman's lot is not a happy one. It is happy one. <laughs> oh, I set them up. And we knocked them down. Uh, anyway, who picked up a trophy in Hereth at the weekend? They didn't have to put it down again. Well... Several people, but two of them picked up the big one. Who, who? Which two drivers picked up big trophies? Mr. G. Russell. And what do you know about George Russell? He's a Mercedes test driver, he's British, and he's won it by getting four out of six wins in the main feature he's race. He's won what? GP3. Right. And in GP2, we have F2. also... Sorry, in Formula 2, we've also found a crampion. Crampion? Cram- <laughs> 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 we've found a crampion! <laughs> 
Yes, yes, yes but who is it? Chowder Crumpion. I can't even say what he said. No, say what he said. Chowder Crumpion. Chowned him. We've chowned him. <laughs> we have, we, and it is. is that, tis I. It is I, declare. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Charles. Um, yes, he, he once again got pole. That's eight out of ten, which is pretty impressive in a one-make series. Uh, he won the feature race. I think it's six out of ten, but uh, includes one where he disqualified, but he won by a, min- a minute for a, a slight a barge, a, a flank uh, infringement, and he's completely dominated the uh, championship, and everyone's going, is he the best person since Lewis Hamilton, or is he better than Lewis Hamilton as a mm. driver coming out of the um, most close to F1 feeder series? What do you think, Tim? Um, you can only race who's there. Yes. It hasn't been a stellar season, though, has it? But you say that, but if you're really, the really good... The strongest drivers of any sub-Formula 1 single-seat series are in Super-Formula, but a lot of the drivers in that formula we'll have never been get there for decades. Yes, aren't, aren't on their way to and Formula 1. Therefore, is that really part of the ladder? Also... Well, no, it's not part of the ladder. Also, it's an adjacent ladder. Charles Leclerc's quite well-fancied teammate, Andrea, Andrea Foucault, has completely failed. Uh, and he's hundreds of points behind. So he's not only beaten his teammate, he's destroyed him. So it's not just the car, it's the driver as well. So I think Charles the Monegasque is, is the real deal. And obviously we'll be seeing him in a Sauber next year. And is the he probably Monegasque, not just someone who goes no, there for the taxes? He's properly Monegasque. Uh, and and uh, that caused some problems for the uh, people in Hereth, didn't it? Do they not have the national anthem properly again? They did not have the Monaco national anthem. Do well, you can always just play the theme tune from Grand Prix, the movie, because it sounds strikingly <laughs> similar. What did they play? Oh, French. I hate to think. French. The French one is correct, mm. yes. And Deschars looked possibly bemused. Uh, he had just won the title, so he did probably he stomp didn't off? really care. No, he sprayed some champagne around. And, did they have uh, the right flag, at least? They did have the right flag, yeah. Now, don't forget, this isn't the first mistake in a Hereth podium. No. They'll it, have less ramifications than the last one they made in the top flight of F1. Which was... 1997? 1997, when the mayor of Hereth insisted on presenting the trophies, even though he wasn't even supposed to be on the on roster. On the roster, yeah. And they got banned with the Holy Grand Prix ever again because of that. But I'm sure there are many other reasons, yeah. He was a big guy, unsurprisingly. Um, and... Just bear with me a moment, I'm thinking. Uh, yes, uh, so what other mistakes happened at Hureth? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, what, track-wise or car-wise? Uh, car-wise. Uh, sorry, track-wise. I don't know. I haven't, tell me, Tim. They didn't do the right exciting. number of laps. Uh, no, I think they did manage the correct number of laps. Uh, but they did uh, allow a driver to overtake at a corner where there should have been yellow flags, but there weren't. And yet they then brought out the safety car for the incident at that corner. Yeah, but if there was no yellow flags out, then he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't. Absolutely not. He did not. Uh, that's that's the equivalent of playing to the whistle, isn't it? Mm. Just because you think there should be a yellow flag out there, if there isn't, and the other guy slows down, you go past him. Yes. Who was that then? I can't remember. It was in race two. All right, let's some, move on. Well, maybe race one. I can't remember. We've I've had half so an hour many of this. We need now. to move on now. Uh, we're going minutes. to uh, move on to some a uh, little bit of social media. Oh, oh exciting! Right. 
Uh, because Gary Paffitt's been active on Twitter this week. Right. Has he, has he said mm. things in a negative, sad way? Uh, I'd like each of you to predict the first word of uh, the Gary Paffitt tweet that I have in front of me. I'm. That's actually very good, Nick. And the second word? <laughs> Disappointed. Upset. John. Uh, I'm. I'm happy. That's closer. He actually used the word delighted. 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 Has he had a baby? No. Oh, not some the only one. Everybody else has this yeah. week. Uh, and I'm, some of them are even female. I'm <laughs> delighted uh, to announce that my 2017 hats are now on sale. It's the end of the season. That's a bit, a bit late, isn't it? Well, they still have one round to go in the DTM, don't they? At the Hockenheim, At the Hockenheim this weekend. ring this weekend. I was there. expecting someone to ask a question there. How many hats? Is the question I wanted the answer to. <laughs> Uh, also on social media. <laughs> Why did he take an all season to produce his hats? How many hats, though? Yeah. How many hats has he had to produce? Three. <laughs> it's, it's three hats. Also on social media. <laughs> yep. Uh, Alexander Sims has picked up some new followers on right. Instagram. Right. After Bill Oberlin po- posted a photo of him in his underwear. Or oh, hello. Yeah. He uh, he is Bill Oberlin's teammate in the. IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, or has been this year for RLL BMW. Bill Oberlin having his 400th start for BMW, of which 100 and now 51 of them have been victories. Yes. Charlie. It's not a round number anymore. No. no we'll have to carry on to get to 160 or 190. Mm. Yeah, but 150 out of 400 would be nice. But easy math. He's now going to have to carry on and do... That'd be three eighths. Five hundred races. I'm sure he won't complain. As Jim Roller said, if he was a, 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 a batter in baseball, that would be a point three seven five average, which is Hall of Fame material. It's extraordinary. Uh, not averse to putting him in the Hall of Fame. No, no, probably should be. If he's not already in the Sports Car Hall of Fame, he should be. Um, uh, obviously, we'll come back to this in the. Uh, a bit, but uh, they did win, didn't they? They did. That was the 150th win. 151th win. Right, I need to play another jingle, which okay. is this one. Please work. You have to hum it. Let's try it again. <laughs> no, it's not going not gonna to happen, is it? Which one was it? Did it probably come? It wasn't. It was very similar, though, because it was country-based. Is it Take the High Road? Not Take the High country Road. Country File. Not Country File. Oh, it's not going to work. Big Country. Um, uh, it was by the Simon Park Orchestra. Uh, eye Level? Yes. Uh, the theme to Van der Volk? Yes. <laughs> number one in the UK. It was, it was a UK number one in the 1980s. 70s. 70s, okay. Who's there? Carry on. Van der Volk was uh, a uh, Netherlands-based um, detective. Detective. Did he drive a DAF? Uh, With a very magic transmission, two big rubber bands. I think he probably walked everywhere or cycled. <laughs> Moving uh, on. Why uh, do we want to talk about the Netherlands? Because they're thinking about having a street race in either Amsterdam or Rotterdam. 
Yes. Or as one of the many countries who've applied to a new F1 TM, um, run by Sean and the gang. Is it Amsterdam or Rotterdam or Liverpool or Rome? Yes. I think, well, Rome's a possibility and Liverpool, no, because all the cars get stolen before they started. Um, it's a southerner. I'm allowed to say those sort of things. I'm no, from the south. No, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Not at all. Because uh, Chatham's a really nice place, isn't it, Nick? I have on many occasions pointed out that I come from one of the very few nasty parts of Kent. I'm not from the Weald. I'm not from Dunbridge or Seven Eggs. So, so, sorry, uh, going going back to the Netherlands Grand Prix aspirations for yes. the moment. Yes. Because uh, yeah. they want, tr- they, even though obviously they have a track that could be upgraded relatively simply, you know, quite expensively to Grade One, and obviously some need no- noise abatement at Zandvoort. Um, noise abatement? It's by the sea. Yes, but that's why they, they have. There are a lot of seagulls. houses next door to it on right. one side, which were built after they cut the track in half a while ago. Mm. Um, yeah, so they're looking because they, the, yeah, they want to have these, the these events, and obviously with Max Verstappen being very popular in uh, in his not native country, of course, because he's actually Belgian. Let's not forget that. Oh. Um, they have uh, so there's a good chance to uh, see if they can get the money, finance, everything else to run one of these mini city centre Grand Prix they want to bring in. They want more Bakus and less Zandvoorts, so they want to see if they can get a street race. There's no way in Amsterdam because the roads are too narrow anyway, So, but Rotterdam has had races before or demonstrations, so it seems like it could be an option for them. Running around the pallets. Has been done before. Valencia. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport, Series 12, Episode 38. That was Nick Damon. I'm John Hindoff, and up in London is Tim Greer. And what are we talking about next? We're talking about a driver who, uh, not long ago, we were saying he'd been dropped by his team. Doesn't narrow it down much. But at the weekend, he won for the second time this season. Right. Where are we? Where Where are we at? Any guesses? Well, no. Uh, he's British. Good start. you got to keep coming. Cause for both John and, and I... In the World like... Rally Championship. Oh. Uh, Chris Meek. Chris Meek. Chris Meek, yeah. I was thinking about proper racing. Not I was thinking attack. about the 2017 uh, Spanish Rally. So he won. Well, good one. Well, well done, Chris. Uh, dominantly. He's uh, won twice now. He won uh, five out of the six stages on the final day, having taken a 13-second lead into that final day to finish uh, 30 seconds clear of world wow. championship leader Sebastian, Sebastian Ogier. Ogier. Mm, but so I don't think it's quite enough for him to have saved his job. Well, also, other point being, and this is not me being funny, and this that I didn't know that a British driver had won the last two... World Rally World Rallies. So World Rally Grand Prix. Why is no? Why is it not on any of the mainstream media? Or even the minor, even the sports side of the mainstream media. I um. There's been other knew things about going it on because uh, Red Bull sent me uh, a press release about it. Did they? Even though he's not a Red Bull driver. I I knew about it because Marino tweeted congratulations to him. Marino uh, Franchitti. Um, so I should have got that. He said the car was exceptional on tarmac, and we were able to keep in the mix on Friday with the gravel. It was a I was very say special it's a mixed win. Stage, isn't it? It yeah. is unusual. That. Uh, what does this mean for the World Rally Championship? Uh, it means that Chris Meeks moved up a few positions. It means Sebastian yes. Ogier hasn't been able to confirm his championship title. Is correct. 
which means he will almost certainly do so at the next round of the World Rally Championship, which is... The Long World Rally. <laughs> the Long... <laughs> Wales Rally GB. Yes. I think the Lombard RSC Rally is far better than Wales Rally GB, but there we go. <laughs> Let's go to kill the forest in Wales. Uh, Wales Rally GB uh, starts in Cheshire. Kinder. Uh, next month that's quite close or later to Wales. this month well, it's that, quite close to it, Wales it has a history of that though in fairness yes where's it starting where's the horse city D-side D-side yes what in Middlesbrough no that's, no, that's T-side <laughs> it's like Cyber D mm. not off um, okay fine moving on <laughs> I just thought I'd throw in some value news while Nick wasn't expecting it. I was well done. Absolute uh, curveball there. Going back to our baseball analogies. We'll go back to uh, something he does like now, though, and oh. that's two-wheeled motorsports. Because the final round of the British Superbike Championship takes place this weekend at Brands, Brands Hatch. Hatch. Oh, does it? Big circuit. On the big circuit. Triple right. header. It is true. You were right. It was a triple. You said that last week, and I went, I didn't know. But it's still Leon Hasm's going to win. How annoying. You need to stay on this bike. Sorry, not for Leon Haslam. How annoying that I can't get down to see it. Where were you? Oh, you're going to Hockenheim, I'm at the you? Hockenheim ring. Still, I'm still at the Hockenheim still ring. Still at the Hockenheim ring. What? I can't believe you've not left the last few minutes from your arrangements. Now, I, I do have to go pretty much as soon as the show's over. <laughs> yes, I know. It, it's it's all, all to play for, though. It, it's all to lose for uh, Leon. Um, chance to get his first BSB title. Uh, Shaky Burns down in third, and the person you would normally think has got a chance, he's very fond of Brands Hatch, so that might help. He's got a big number of points to get past, and he's not had the best of form this year. He's not the only other driver in contention, though, right, is he? Rider. rider. <laughs> no, there's a couple of others, but you kind of think that he's a person who's got the uh, chutzpah to uh, be able to get past in these, these last he, rounds. Can you just certain sort of mental It's attitude? experience, and, and men, I, I think you're right there. I think it's experience, and I think it's mental strength when you mm. get down to here you've got you know if you're leading the championship if you're the favourite you've got to close it out if you aren't you've got to try and put pressure on and see if you can profit by a mistake mm. uh, weather looks to be really good this weekend at Brands Hatch it's going to be very very hot and that is going to be really? yeah, absolutely pouring with rain right now 27 25 to oh, 27 we're getting, degrees we're getting, you're probably in the summer aren't we mm-hmm. cool. so that could be a factor in who gets the bike set up correctly. Yes, it'll take away the the randomness of rain, um, but it will mean that Hasm, therefore, if he can keep you know, rubber side down, has more of a chance because he just he doesn't need to win the races; he just needs to get good finishes. Um, just watching the Twitter sphere here, uh, quite a number of people tweeting in about street races for Formula One. So mm. let me put this out here: yeah. um, Do we like street races in Formula One? Um, Rotation says uh, where are all these Formula 1 street race rumours coming from never been a good idea Um, although if they have one they should have it in Edinburgh where uh, they've got cobbles (laughs) Uh, I'd like to see one in Cardiff the more F1 runs street races, the more I'll watch MotoGP. No street races Thanks. there, of course. <coughs> yeah, but I'd like to see a MotoGP street race in Cardiff. Well, there's a, obviously there's a street race for... On the circuit of Wales. Superbikes, a superbike <laughs> street race in Macau, and that normally goes really well. Um, oh, yes. No, on a very serious point, though, where all these rumours are coming from is from the people who run the sport. They've because said they want to have events. They basically opened it up and said... They basically, have I, got, I, I may have got this completely wrong, but it seems to me that they basically said, come one, come all... Basically, put a tender in. 
you tell us where where you're going to have it and uh, su suggest a, a, an amount of money that you might be able to pay for it, yeah. and we'll have a look. And we might be able to get you one every two years. And there's four slots available. We have 21 races oh, next really? year, and they have said they want to go to 25, which is too many. But they're you know they're doing the NASCAR model. They want to go to 25. They want them all to be Super Bowls. They want to have events, and they think that by activating in a city, it's more of an event. Now, street races have not historically been particularly good for F1 to set up. Um, because they've tended to be the typical point and squirt, point 90, squirt degrees. 90 degree but the Baku circuit is a street race and actually it's a pretty good track and you can overtake and it's got a combination it's got one weird bit where it's too thin we're interested that is cobbled but we have to tarmac it over each year um, up the hill just round the corner up the hill it is up the hill it's very up, very tight uh -huh. uh, left and that's a bit where two cars can't get through it's too narrow when, where Lewis knocked his um, front suspension yes. two years I know I've explained to the listeners to the listener. uh, two years ago um, and that's quite a good street circuit there's nothing wrong with the circuit being in the street if it's actually taking into account you're St. trying P to have St. cars that can overtake St. Petersburg for Indy cars a great street circuit yeah. it's just, it's... so when they say street circuits what they really mean is circuits that are in or near large areas yeah, of population non-permanent tracks running on P potentially roads, public roads you know. or at least in a park land quite, I've heard it's quite a good street park. race at Le Mans by the way hmm? it's quite a good street race at Le Mans it's very good yeah Albert Park ultimately that's a street race mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of Montreal is actually yes not all uh, a lot of it Brody Wilsonholm says Nick is right Van der Valk did drive a DAF so did I <laughs> 0 to 60 normally aspirated top speed 50 uh, sorry not applicable top speed 58 and as fast in reverse as going forward Yes, because I just had forward and reverse two big elastic bands. And, and, and who rally crossed one? Throw that Leon out. Vodegaard. I'll throw that out. Declan, I know Declan is going to tweet. Don't, Harry don't, don't, don't tweet in Dex. Sitting there naked in his uh, his daff. No, I, I fastest finger first on the collective to outspec your team and who who can tell me who rally crossed them, and that used to have to have bulges in the roof because the they were big lads, and if you can find a picture, even better, double points. Duff. Alan Prosser has uh, tweeted a picture of an aerial view of Zandvoort, which clearly shows the housing to the south, uh, southwest of the circuit, right, and also some to the southeast, right. Lots of houses, but I'm sure that for a Grand Prix they'd they'd be paid off with free tickets. Seems reasonable to three days. Moving on. Uh, can I talk about Hockenheim? You can talk about Hockenheim, yes. Uh, because while uh, in DTM land, and that's what's going to Hockenheim this weekend, uh, Gary Paffert is uh, not whinging at all because he has tats to sell. Shall I buy? See if, shall I see if I can buy? See if you can buy Gary Paffert, Gary Paffert hat, hat and then get Gary Paffert get, to get sign his hat. Sign it, and then, get and then we'll give it away as a prize next year, sign. next week. Yeah, but get him looking glum next to the hat. Well, in fairness, though, all the people in, apart from Gary Paffett involved in DTM, have just spent the entire year whinging each other. It's been a whingeathon. Should we start with Marco Vittman? Is he whinging? Yes, that he thinks penalties. that uh, there are too many weight penalties. Now, Dee's well, domination now. is harming the DTM. But there's no weight penalties now. They've scrapped them. Yes. And now they're whinging, there aren't any. Uh, and Audi are being dominant, and it's unfair. And he obviously is a BMW driver. It's not unfair, because whoever does the best job gets to dominate. Well, um, Oh, okay, go on. 
as we heard from Marcus Schuring, it's fine for the first few uh, rounds of the season and then whoever's in the lead for each particular manufacturer gets favoured treatment and everybody else has got to back them up. Yes, unfortunately, that is the problem of having um, effectively three manufacturers running all the three teams. Three manufacturer teams, yeah. Um, that's so what they're going to do. Uh, yes, and then soon become none. Uh, the championship leader is Matthias Ekstrom. He's in a... Audi. Audi. And uh, in second place is... Audi. Audi. Third. Audi. Fourth. Audi. BMW? Audi. Audi. Oh, is, it fi- is the first one fifth, is it? No. Yes. Fifth, yes. Uh, See, I have spotted up before I go there at the weekend, good. just yeah. in case. Even though I'm not talking You're about not going them. there for DTM, though. You're going there for something more special. I've never seen a DTM race from Trackside. I have. So I am There's quite nothing to write home about. Really? I, I, I still think I saw them at cars. Donington Park, which was all right. And I saw them at Brands Hatch Indy more than once, which was possibly the... ITR. Dullest ITR, race sorry, I've ever seen. Oh, I find that hard to believe. I'm I'm going there for something very different. Shall I tell the listener? Do. They probably already know. Um, the Audi TT Cup has been tremendously successful for Audi Sport customer racing. Yes. Are they the standard Nick? TCR cars? No. 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 That's no, the TT. Audi TT Cup. They four-wheel drive. How do they differ from no. a GT4? Uh, because the front-wheel drive Audi TT's mildly modified. Ah, okay. Um, and with the advent of TCR, which Nick did put his hand up to ask about, which is very good, um, it's quite obvious that the TT Cup is uh, not going to be required. Now, in fairness, it has brought on some very good talent, including including uh, Sheldon von der Linde, who won his class in a GT3 Audi for Motorplast Land uh, Audi on Saturday at Petit Le Mans. Even though he's still a teenager. Even though he's still a teenager. And he had the fastest average lap times of all the GTD drivers, even though it's only his second or third year in, uh, in cars. And he's still a silver driver on his way up. The boy has got talent. And he was discovered by Audi in the TT Cup. So it's been a good proving ground for a number of people. I, I, I would say it's more... It supports the uh, DTM, so it's more touring car biased than endurance biased. But quite clearly, if you can drive one of those, you can drive. Now, because that's coming to an end, at the end of its life this year... They thought, I wonder what we could do. Shall we sell all the cars off like Maserati did? And we've had a couple of those in GS in Indy. Well, we could, yes, we could do that. Yes, that's, shall we do that? Yes. And then somebody in the meeting said, no, I've got a better idea. And so they all turned around and looked at the person and made them feel a bit self-conscious. What's your idea, they said. They said, why don't, as we don't need those cars anymore after the second race uh, at Hockenheim Ring at the weekend, just before the DTM race, why don't we get... 16 of our most famous, legendary, in fact, Audi drivers from our various different disciplines, give them minimal practice and qualifying and put them in the cars for the end of, to celebrate the end of TT Cup and to honour our legend drivers. And the person who was very self-conscious sort of must have spit that out and sort of said, expecting to be shot down in a 
uh, a massive don't be silly management style and everyone went it's a brilliant idea let's do it so that's what exactly what they because we haven't got to repair them yeah exactly right stick them in the skip if necessary now I'm taking bets now collective on how many get to the finish of that legends race how many do to start 16 11 11 will finish Okay, Nick says 11. Write that down, Tim. We'll, we'll, we'll I'm going to go with nine. Nine. I think it might be seen. <laughs> How long is it, uh, 25 minutes. Oh, 20, yeah, 11. I think it's 24 minutes, but okay. not very uh, long. Oh, yes, yes, of course it is 24, yes. Uh, it'll be truth in 24 minutes. So who are the ledges? Is Tom running? Yes. Is Dindo. Dindo is... Emanuele. Frank? Uh, Frank. What um, went wrong? Marco? Oh, I don't know if Marco Werner was on the list that I saw. Hans Stug. Lucas Lur? Mm. Or he's driving something else now, is he? There's no Alan McNish, though. No, it's legends. He's, he's doing... Um, he didn't win Le Mans enough to be considered a legend. Just doing... a three times. Yeah, well, Pirro did it five, didn't he? Yeah, but isn't McNish doing Mexico? Or wherever they are, Japan. Which would are. be Fuji. Fuji. Yeah, Fuji. <laughs> well, what is everybody's problem with Fuji this Tim week? Tim was trying to put this into Fuji. I'm now trying not to go there. <laughs> no, in, fa- in, in fairness and all joking aside, uh, one or two of the drivers can't make it because they are doing other things. Um, I think Lotterer, who's... who, I think I think it was Lotterer's idea, from what I've heard. Andre Lotterer's idea. At least he was one pushing for it. I don't think he can do it because I presume he's doing Super Formula somewhere. Um, but um, Valina X no, I think is we're finally he's doing he's driving a Porsche oh yes of course he is in yes. Mexico <laughs> or Suzuki Fuji. yeah or Slough. A1 ring or Nogaro <laughs> or a straight race in Slough why do we never get places like Slough or Workington or British West Hartlepools vying for a spot of a street race you could do it round. you could do it around the marina at, at Hartlepool that would be fabulous Seam Harbour, the Seam Harbour Grand Prix. <laughs> with Peter Yusinov. I think the issue with Hartlepool is that they're too close to another candidate city. Which is? If it's happening, it's happening it, in Stockton on Tees. Oh, that's a very good point. <laughs> the Stockton on Tees Grand Prix. You, obviously, you'd have to be careful on which week you did it because if the market day was on, on Thursday, <laughs> that would affect setup. It's mm. true, yeah. 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 No one will get their anyway, bar. Going, going anyway, <laughs> going back to TT. Uh, Legends TT. Um, I'm I'm very very excited. I'm driving down there tomorrow, and we're going to try our very best to broadcast it. Um, I'm I'm there doing the PA um, with a German colleague uh, Patrick, and uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be broadcasting the, uh, or we're going to be doing that from the pit lane for practicing qualifying or for qualifying. There is only one session. And then uh, there'll be a bit of... Whatever happens, I promise I'm taking a recording device. So we will have at least a short report in Midweek Motorsport next week. Uh, Watch the Twitter feed uh, this weekend. It is a weekend where we are on the air for WEC. Um, Johnny uh, in charge for that. No, he's not. Oh, is he not? Johnny's doing the... uh, Not even the finale of the British Truck Racing Association. Oh, yes, he's doing lorries. at Pembray. He's doing lorries. It's Bruce Jones. And? Bruce Jones is uh, going to be uh, with us, and he will be joined by Paul Truswell. Right. Um, So it's Bruce and Paul uh, this weekend. I've got the whole list of drivers now, thanks to your wife. Right. Go on, read them down. It is in alphabetical order. Yeah. Christian Apt. Right. Felipe 
Albuquerque. Oh, fantastic. Frank Beeler. What went wrong? Dindo Capello, Rahel Fry, Marcel Fazler, oh, Jean-Marc Gounon, Lucas de Grassi, Vanina X, Tom Christensen, who's he? Uh, Lucas Le, Stefan Ortelli, Manueli Piro, Frank Stippler, Hans Joachim Stuck, and Marco Werner. So Mark was there. Uh, what a useless bunch they are. Oh, just goes to show what some fabulous drivers they've had down through the, the years. the best they could do, honestly. Uh, uh, lots of Le Mans wins in there. Um, oh, yes. And uh, Adindo sent me some footage of him practising on a two-stroke shifter cart to get back into shape for this. <laughs> so nobody's taking it seriously at all. Just a bit of fun. Uh, no. Just a bit of fun. So I am really looking forward to that. Chris Lowe on Twitter says, DTM at Brands Hatch is the dullest race Tim's seen. Has he not watched Formula Vauxhall? Formula Vauxhall was fantastic, Chris. What's Formula wrong Vauxhall with you? No, Formula Vauxhall as in the single-seaters and Formula Vauxhall Junior and the uh, related over-the-channel Formula Opel Euro series. I remember... They were great. I remember one of the they were very fast because they were very, very slippery, weren't they? That's where I first came across uh, the father of uh, a driver you just mentioned. Apt. No, Sheldon van der Linde. Etienne oh. van der Linde. Oh, Etienne, yeah. Mm. Uh, we're an hour into this show. So that means... Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway... And that means we've got uh, a second half to go. If we're halfway down, there's still half to go. Paraphrasing something I heard at the weekend. Uh, keep the tweets coming in to at Specutainment. In hour two of Midweek Motorsport Series 12, episode number 38, we will be speaking to Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com as we get up to date with the latest US news. We've also got a special guest who will be talking about some of that US News. Uh, Nick and I will be wittering on here in the studio and Tim will be presenting various non-secretaries from up in London. Pretty standard fare really for the second half of the programme. Stay with us on RS1. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh, hang on, that, that's PG and Duncan. Anton Deck. Yeah. Well, a duo, a twosome, but no, not in this case. Right. Those are the words of Mr. Michael Buffer. Right. The legendary boxing announcer. Yes. Did, did, didn't he TM them at one stage? Yes, he did. In that, in that way of seeing it... Yes. I, I think he made that his trademark. Have they TN'd Boogity, Boogity, Boogity? Uh, almost certainly. Mm. Not in that voice. Let's go racing. That was very sultry from you, Nick, there. Mm. Thank you. That's my, my NASCAR style. I think I might, I might have a future there. Uh, very colourful. They love he'll that. be saying something, maybe not that, uh, at Austin for the US Grand Prix on October the 22nd. Really? Yes. Is he the Grand Marshal? Uh, they've decided to do some driver intros, US style. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, they're scrapping the pit. They can't. Be, the pit walks will be no use because they're going to intro them whilst it should be the pit walk time. The pit walks no use. But they won't be able to talk to because the pit walk. They're going rather than at that point of time in the in the program when normally Martin and DC from, from, and from thirty minutes pre green flag. Oh, sorry, I see what you mean 15. from from the, the the from the broadcaster's point of view. Mm. Yeah. So instead of 
them being able to wander up the pits and do their own stuff, bellowing out over mm. the uh, PA, which Pascal is actually Verlini. Yeah, it's it's going to be and on pole position <laughs> at 171 at 171 pounds. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's blessed by God, and he still he rises. It's Lewis Hamilton. Yes, exactly. And, I actually quite like that. I think that's quite and cool. And alongside him, him in the blue shorts. Yes, exactly. So, uh, that that's actually if he does it like that, <laughs> if he does it like that, that would be really good. I think that would be really good if he did it in basically took the boxing style and said uh, you know out of out of the 44 car <laughs> with the silver with the silver and green trim <laughs> weighing in at he's got to do that 675 kilos including driver well, that'd Star- all be the same. starting on the ultra soft tires <laughs> yes exactly exactly that's exactly what you should on do. his fourth engine his third mcu his second regeneration unit and his fourth control electronics yes i like it <laughs> Uh, what did Sean Bright just have to say? Who is the dog lover Hamilton? <laughs> well, it's true, but you were careful how you say that, because I come out very badly wrong. What, what did Sean Bright just have to say? <laughs> uh, ever since I was a young boy... I've always wanted to have a, a, a boxing announcer at an F1 race. We're delighted to welcome Michael Buffer as part of our ongoing commitment to our fans to build the entertainment factor in Formula One. <laughs> we know the Formula One United States Grand Prix is the best place for a globally recognised star like Michael to take the spectacle to the next level. I bet he did say it like that. <laughs> I've known Michael for over 30 years and there's no one better. He'll elevate the driver brands and shine a light on Formula One. Right. I think it'd be amusing, but it's only if he does it properly. I, I, no, I think he's got to do that. If he just does it, you know, and on pole position is it, it, you know, it just doesn't work, does it? Uh, Michael Buffer said, "I've been involved in some of the biggest sporting events around the world and have introduced most of the greatest boxers of the modern era. And now is my time to introduce the world's finest racing drivers." <laughs> they are the stars of the think? show and I want to introduce them with the energy and adrenaline they deserve before they fire up their engines and get ready to, to race. Rumble. Yes. The thing is though, you know how he's, he normally does it with like two, two boxers? He's got to keep the energy up for 20 of them. And, and now in 20th place in the <sighs> blue car from Switzerland. Well, no, Sweden, it's, Sweden Marcus it's Marcus Ericsson. And with a 600 p- place And penalty. in 63rd place, taking 45 penalties yeah, exactly. from Spain, not the independent part. It's Fernando Bologna. Oh, what's his name again? <laughs> Fernando Orlando. Orlando, uh, Orlando I, once, yeah. I once said David Hobbs called him. <laughs> Fernando Orlando. <laughs> American television, which so, I've never forgotten. Fernando. I nearly choked on I nearly choked. <laughs> Fernando Orlando, Orlando. will yeah. uh, will be looking at uh, racing Fernando again Orlando. in IndyCar. Like yes. Really? And who is very excited about that? Someone with a Chevrolet engine, because he won't be wearing Fonda. Penske? Andretti. He is. He's very uh, A driver. Uh, right hand to former, right. Former driver, sorry. Mario Andretti. Gilles de Ferran. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Gilles was his driver coach uh, at the yes, Indy 500 was. this year and says he would love to uh, help him and work with him if he comes back to IndyCar. Did you say any Kevin Keegan, Starley? I'd love it. Just love it. 
I don't think that's how he said it. No, but I can't. Can, I, can we break for some? Can we? Can we break for some breaking news here? Yes. That Matt Fernandez has just tweeted us hot on the heels of Peugeot saying that they're not going to do uh, Le Mans. Um, they're also going to pull out of rally raids at the end of next season. Quoted mm. in Auto Hebdo. Auto Hebdo. Auto Hebdo. So, just wanted to pass that up. Can we move on to a bit of American news? Because I've, I know. We kind of were on American news. Yes, Last I know. two stories have had an American well, well, theme. Can I get Marshall up then? Yes. I think that would be do. a good idea. Uh, while you're doing that, I'll tell you the third uh, bit of uh, American news because uh, Lewis Hamilton on the podium at Suzuka mm-hmm. uh, was very impressed by Takuma Sato's ring, wasn't he? He was. He loved his ring. He tried it on. He stuck his finger in his ring. What, that was the Indy 500 winner's ring. Winner's ring, yes. He, was, he likes a bit of bling. Lewis and Takuma was uh, Takuma actually was probably one of the more charming and enjoyable of those celebrity interviews. Oh, he did interviews he was very. I'd fallen back to sleep. I mean, in fairness, he was very genuine. He was excited to be there, and and they were excited to see him. And the others were a little bit now done it a few. I think really should be a limit. I don't think you should be allowed to do it more than three times in total because you lose the spark. I feel. Okay then. Uh, Shall we continue on the American theme and say good evening? Uh, from Racer.com to Marshall Pruitt. Hello, Marshall. Good evening, Marshall. Oh, yes. Sounding very good indeed. Um, lots to go through tonight. Uh, lots to go through. Uh, I, I honestly don't know where to start. We, we did a bit of Can I suggest where we start? Yeah, go on. Because last week, we all we, where we did not have the expertise of Marshall Pruitt, yes. we all made some pretty terrible predictions about uh, a driver that turned out to be Tony Kanaan uh, very shortly after we went off air. Sorry, what was that about? Uh, where he's racing next season. I'm sorry, I've completely forgotten what we were talking about. Then tell, re- Remind me. Oh, we've lost him. I, I'm sorry. Well, Marshall. Marshall. Tony. Okay, I thought you and and Tim were having a fun little interpersonal conversation here. Uh, well, Tony Kanon signed a drive for Anthony Joseph Foyt ah, yes. for the next two years. That deal had been done for quite some time. My racer colleague Robin Miller uh, broke that. I don't know, month ago, something like that. So. Uh, hopefully, should not have been a surprise to anyone, uh, but I mean, it could be a surprise for those who thought uh, that might be a strange direction for Tony to go. So that would, knowing that Foyt ended 2017 as the statistically verified worst team in IndyCar, so to leave one of the best in Chip Ganassi Racing for a team that proved to be the absolute worst. That would certainly be a topic for discussion, brother. Uh, not entirely all of uh, of his own making, of course. Chip Ganassi have, have pulled back their uh, their commitment to IndyCar racing in in the face, presumably, of, of, of financial concerns and, and left them with rather more drivers than they needed, ultimately. Well, yeah. Uh, how's this? <clears throat> The house of Chip, at least on the IndyCar side, has not been the happiest house Indeed. in 2017. Uh, we can say that of their four drivers, Scott Dixon, best of his generation, Tony Kanon, Max Chilton, best among the 
Chilton IndyCar drivers, and our friend Charlie Kimball, who's been with the team for many, many years, uh, you have a scenario where, let's say, two and a half of the four seats were subsidized by those driving. Max and his father, uh, CEO Gallagher Insurance, sponsored that car with Gallagher. Uh, Charlie Kimball, a uh, someone who's... Uh, dealing and living a life with diabetes has a wonderful sponsor novo nordisk that brought him into the series in 2011 with chip uh but with those two we have max looking to start his own team let me rephrase that looking to become the leader of his own team the uh, chilton funded carlin racing moving into indycar those plans are well afoot right now uh, Charlie Kimball has said uh, on the record that his sponsorship from Novo Nordisk has been reduced for next season, uh, which uh, we believe is one of the reasons why he is no longer driving for Chip. So you have someone who is bringing a solid budget that said, I'm going to go somewhere else to be the leader of my own team. You have another driver who's been there for many years, but whose budget was turned down somewhat. And you have Tony Kanaan, who has brought approximately half the budget uh, to his entry there. You could call that technically a pay driver, but Tony being one of the most popular race car drivers and athletes in Brazil uh, has obviously had a, a fair amount of companies wanting to be a part of his journey. So uh, that's something that he has brought to teams for a little bit. So with all that being said, uh, when Target left Chip Ganassi racing an IndyCar at the end of the 2016 season after you know whatever it was, 27 years or some crazy number, you really came back to a place, Hindy, where their sponsor, NTT Data, was the only serious external sponsor that Ganassi found that was covering Kanan's car primarily, plus some on Dixon's. And so when you add all this stuff up, you have two guys bringing a complete budget saying we're going somewhere else. You have Tony in light of the fact that Chip Ganassi Racing continues to lack a primary sponsor for uh, Dixon's entry being asked to bring a lot more to stay in the same car he's been driving while bringing roughly half the budget. And uh, as a result, you have Tony saying, you know what, let me go look at my other opportunities because at 42 years old and 20 years into my IndyCar career, I'm not going to go out and chase $6 million to stay with this team where whatever the number has been, two, two and a half, three million has been more than enough to secure this very same seat. So with all that stuff in mind, you have Ronald Scott Dixon returning uh, to Chip Ganassi Racing. He will drive for Chip uh, in perpetuity as long as he wants mm. to. Uh, not clear on if and who will be sponsoring that car in terms of a true external corporation with sponsors on the with logos on the side pod. I think we can f- safely assume that of the money that Honda invests into IndyCar, and with Dixon being their clear number one uh, person to take on Team Penske and everyone else, that um, Honda makes sure that uh, Dixon uh, is on the grid financially. And I would say that NTT Data, uh, from what I've heard, will remain on the number 10 car that Tony Kanan has vacated, and a certain Kiwi with wonderful hair that's gotten a bit shorter, as we saw last yes. weekend, um, should be uh, hopefully announced sometime soon as the driver of that vehicle. So there that is being, your Chip Ganassi IndyCar roundup. Uh, yeah, that being Brendan, Brendan Hartley. Um, whilst we're talking about drivers uh, moving around, uh, finally, uh, the we can say with uh, 
well, we can confirm, or at least the team has confirmed, what has been possibly one of the worst kept secrets in uh, American racing for quite some time, that uh, uh, Ricky Taylor is heading over to the Acura Penske programme, having just won the championship with his brother uh, in the Koninka Minolta Cadillac DPI VR SPT the black number 10 car which is what i people say to me why do you keep calling it the black number 10 have you seen the name of the race team um this is obviously this has been bubbling around for a while it needed to be the end of the season before it could be uh probably uh properly announced and, and the rest of the squad is coming together nicely as well alongside dean cameron who we we already knew about Indeed. Good old Ricky Bobby got himself a nice old job with the captain. Uh, yeah, great news for Ricky. And again, as you mentioned, this has been one of the worst kept secrets. Um, yeah, I think I first wrote about it about six months ago yeah. uh, that both he and Dane were the top candidates to go there. Um, and let's just say that uh, Roger Penske and Honda Performance Development have great taste. They have just hired the two most recent prototype champions yeah uh two who have the two clear leaders within the cadillac dpi camp to come and partake and help bring acura to the front Mm -hmm. upon their entry next year so i think not only is that brilliant we have two americans uh which roger has hired which uh, if you know roger's history that has not that's never been a priority nor am I saying that he hired them because they're American, but it's just nice for a domestic championship to have two champs, two kids born and raised in the country that can actually be promoted as homegrown talent. Yes. They obviously bring extensive knowledge of the Cadillac uh, to this Acura program. Point. I'm, I'm sure they might be asked at some point, so how do they do this? How We're doing this in that way. How does that compare to what you've Correct. Done? So they and. I know that Dane, in particular, uh, is highly regarded as a test driver, yes. um, and so Ricky is as well is very sharp. So, bottom line, Roger and Tim Sindrick, Art Sincere from Honda Performance Development, they have gone out and gotten the you know two of the brightest stars IMSA has to offer in the prototype class. They've paired them with the two new biggest names that IMSA has never had. Uh, upon its relaunch in 2014 in Elio Castro Neves and Juan Montoya. They've added in one driver for the NAEC rounds, wasn't a surprise, in Simon Pagano, and one that was in Graham Rahal. Yeah. Uh, How's this? I knew Simon was going to be one of those drivers. Anybody with common sense realized that your 2010 American Le Mans Series prototype champ who already drives for Roger and IndyCar – you know, it might might not be a bad choice if you're going to stick someone at the, someone in the long races. Uh, the Graham, bit of a surprise. I, I was fairly convinced that uh, our boy Jenson Bouton, uh, some French kid, I think I heard that did Formula One back in the day, that uh, Jensen might be lined up for uh, the other NAEC opportunity, but turned out to not be the case. So, but that, that's uh, an interesting point because. Jensen has said last week openly, um, when when asked a question about what he's going to do, he out of his out of his mouth, not yeah. put there by somebody else, said, "I want to go, and I think I'd like to give it a go in IMSA, where the DPI cars are." Uh, that's pretty much a direct quote, and uh, the the. 
the interest here for me, MP, and I, I was uh, impressed that um, the guys from Racer and you guys got, got that from, from Jensen, is um, we know, obviously, that his old team, McLaren, and you've spoken to them, um, aren't a Honda team next year. But is, is Jensen still a Honda driver, or does that come to an end at the end of this year? Because And I, and I say that not to be a smart ass at all but just to say well if he's not a honda driver that opens up other manufacturers as well doesn't it i don't have the answer um i'm working with uh, pr reps and communications teams to uh, interview young jensen uh so hopefully that'll happen here in the next couple of days so i can ask directly can't say if he'll answer but i would assume that in light of the long 14-ish, 15-year relationship he's had with Honda, uh, dating back to his Bar F1 days, that regardless of where McLaren is heading, uh, as McLaren Executive Director Zach Brown told me yesterday, that uh, Jensen's contract with the team is up at the end of the year, and any decisions that Jensen makes on whatever he drives going forward will be solely up to him. So again, I'm purely assuming... But while the uh, relationship with McLaren on the driving front will be coming to an end, uh, I think it would be uh, it'd be rather strange for Jensen to also mm. part ways with Honda unless there was some big offer from a DPI manufacturer or somewhere else that truly interested him. Uh, so, Nick Damon's Nick Damon's here uh, in the studio, and uh, I, I seem to think back to when. Jensen was having a quote-unquote sabbatical is how it was decided he was stepping away from racing but he was still it was still described as being very much part of the Honda family yeah it's a backup in case um, Fernando threw his toys out of the pram which he did but they involved him going to um, Indy um, no they the, the situation they have is if Lando Norris uh, wins F3 he'll get 40 points for his super license and he'll be able to be their official test and reserve driver and step in should be the problem with Alonso who we assume is going to re-sign uh, and um, Van Dorn and obviously there's a very good chance that Alonso may sign for one year before he goes to Ferrari who knows uh, before he meanders off to uh, Indy again this year so that'll be and I think Jensen's very made clear you know, in his big kind of uh, one year away sort of speech in, in uh, Suzuka not Fuji um, that he was uh, looking to race next year he's got a couple of offers one of the offers is to race in Super GT in Japan when he loves don't forget he's an absolute Japanophile, is that what mm. you call it? He loves the place, he's, you know, and he's um, very much revered there. And this tie up with Acura, I mean, he, he, he literally spelt out what DPI was to the dolts of the uh, F1 press room. So he wouldn't be wasting his his, his reputation saying he really wants to do it if he didn't know he was going to do it. Yeah. So, um, coming back to you, Marshall, you, you mentioned uh, the Taylors there. Will we? Uh, Will we see Wayne Taylor Racing and the Koenigke Minolta Cadillac back next year? Uh, all kinds of thoughts that Wayne, who's already involved uh, with, and in fact the boys are as well, uh, with mentoring people in the uh, Lamborghini Super Trofeo, that there might be a couple of GTD cars being run out of, uh, out of WTR. Do they come back and defend their championship next year? It would be a rather bizarre world, brother, if Wayne Taylor Racing just won the prototype championship and decided to not return. Uh, 
So let me read this quote to you that Wayne gave me this morning that uh, should hopefully answer this uh, for anyone who might have a question as to whether they are committed to returning or uh, possibly not. So um, looking at the fact that they do have someone to uh, an empty seat, you could say to fill uh, knowing that Ricky is now gone, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, Jordan is the only confirmed driver going forward. Uh, Wayne said that, you know, they hope to have a driver announced by early to mid November to replace him. Um, uh, he also said, uh, "I'd like to thank Roger and Tim. I'd like to thank Roger and Tim Cindric saw and Ricky that he's a complete driver, and if someone wants to hire Jordan, I'll fully support it. And Wayne Taylor Racing will continue, even with two new drivers representing Konica, Minolta, Cadillac, and all our partners. Yeah. So Wayne has maintained for quite good. some time." that his prototype team, uh, its existence is not dependent upon having uh, one of his boys' names on the side. I can tell you I have forwarded Wayne's contact info to two drivers in the last 48 hours who have inquired about the uh, very likely possible uh, Lamborghini factory tie-up in GT Daytona. And uh, while I don't know if every <coughs> GT driver has figured out that that is happening yet. I would expect Wayne to have countless inquiries because if you have the reigning champion in IMSA's top class, uh, one who also competes in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo Cup uh, and successfully already, uh, the thought of being able to get in on the GTD level uh, is someone that I, I've heard uh, some recent GTD champions and others uh, are quite keen on the concept I'm of sure. moving over to WTR. So I'm sure they are. Uh, Just bouncing back to Jensen... Uh, then if Jensen is a Honda driver, he's unlikely to be uh, a Honda ambassador, rather, linked with Honda in some way, shape or form. He's unlikely to go and drive a DPI for someone else. At the moment, there aren't any uh, of the DPIs being sold to anyone else. However, you've spoke to Zach Brown, United Autosports Zach Brown, as well as McLaren Zach Brown. Uh, they have a history of racing prototypes they've even talked about going to the rolex 24 daytona could they pop up with a with a third uh, uh, acura in some of the longer races and and maybe give jensen a home i wouldn't say no but i would say it would be a surprise uh, I had a little bit of a fun back and forth with HPD CEO Art Sincere at Petit talking about, so third car, fourth car, can we just name Jensen in both seats uh, so he can drive that full time? And uh, he had a little bit of a laugh, said, hey, you go ahead and start whatever rumor you want. But uh, I do know that Zach has been Zach has been very careful and very intent in uh, not – cross polluting i don't know that's the wrong way to put it but in not in mixing mclaren business and united auto sport business when it comes to drivers and pulling someone over um into a fat you know from the mclaren side into something that is his now granted if jensen were to be a free agent you know come january 1st again i think that there are possibilities there uh probably not in a factory acura though but uh not exactly sure about that i mean here's another thing i'd, I'd mention and i don't have any information to support this but it's just popped into my odd looking head uh we saw obviously that 
Graham Rahal and Simon Pagino were announced as the full-time NAEC mm. drivers, meaning that we know that they'll be at those rounds. Could one or two of Roger's entries for Daytona have a fourth driver? Oh. Uh, or could one of them? Again, I don't, I'm not saying this. there's anything behind this. It just occurred to me like, well, okay, so we know that these three for sure are going to be in the car. Could there be a situation where there was a fourth and Jensen might be that guy? Don't know. And just to go back before anybody tweets it, Jensen was quite uh, firm on the fact that he didn't want to drive a car that wasn't at the front of the field. Uh, He'd love to go to Le Mans as well. That was the other racing that he talked about. But he said, you know, if I was in an LMP2, I, I just don't get the idea of people going 30, 40, 50 mile an hour quicker than me, and that's why I'm not interested in doing GT either, which, okay, some people want to, some people don't. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Marshall Pruitt is with us. We're talking American news. Marshall from Racer.com, of course, and MarshallPruitt.com. Some great interviews on there posted recently uh, as well. Some uh, uh, spoken word, which I think you will enjoy. If you haven't been to MarshallPruitt.com, then you should not now. Not now, because he's here. Yeah. All right, that was well, it. hey, just just to know how important Midweek Motorsport is, I just sent Simon Pagino to voicemail because I don't want to be interrupted on the oh, show. That's very, that's very. Tell Simon we were asking after him. It was good to see him at the weekend. Um, we, we were petite at the weekend was an awesome event. Again, the biggest crowd I've seen for a number of years, and they all stayed to the end. There was no drifting away with two hours to go. It was an extraordinary uh, being a part of that event again. Truly international event that all the different accents and languages being spoken in the uh, in Marion's when everyone was getting food it was brilliant I really enjoyed it uh, and one of the uh, I think big successes this year has been the introduction of GT4 into the uh, GS class the Grand Sport class of the Continental uh, Tire Sports Car Challenge Mercedes-Benz AMG were at Atlanta, Road Atlanta in force. Thomas Yeager telling me that seven cars uh, had been sold into that championship for next year. And this morning, uh, we saw the news that uh, Windward Racing, who uh, have been this year paired up with C.J. Wilson and his Cayman team, uh, are moving from Porsche uh, in terms of their manufacturer to Mercedes-Benz. Uh, earlier on today, I caught up with Damien Faulkner. He was literally about to head out the door uh, for a flight. So we got a little chat with him about the announcement that he and uh, his teammate Russell Ward will be with the Mercedes three-pointed star in their overalls last year. And the first thing I asked him as he spoke exclusively to Midweek Motorsport and RS1 was just how the deal came together. It all it probably all started when when um, through my my outings in in the Lampan series this year, uh, and just experiencing the the Mercedes GT3, uh, and then on on I did that with uh, with along with Michael Avedetti, um and uh, and HTP Motorsport, and uh, mentioning the GT4 to them, they seemed pretty keen to do something in the US, so we were able to. I was able to put the two teams together, and and um, you know there's some some synergies there that that uh, then, that suit both. So it's it's uh, we're going to run two cars, um, yeah. And there's there's two cars placed on order, and not only that, but we're actually participating in a testing program, which in effect is actually two 24-hour races or 
one is 25, if you like, Thunderhill 25 are in the new GT4 Merc with, um, in conjunction with HDB uh, Motorsport. Um, and then the other is the 24 hours of Coda, which I believe you might be doing yourself. Yeah, I'm not very happy about that because I was expecting GT4 to be a nice, quiet little class that I could go out and pot hunting. <laughs> and then you brought that new machine in. I might be struggling a bit. I might be. Um, so in terms of the driving talent, you and Russell Ward have formed a very, very a strong bond very quickly. You mentioned that Windward Racing uh, has only been around for a wee while. Uh, Russell's come on massively this year. Are you two going to stay together in one of the cars in GS in Continental Tyres? Yes, definitely. Uh, we'll definitely uh, be be one of the in, in one car, and we, we'll be continuing that partnership, which I think has worked really well. Um, we've had a pretty trying year, but to be honest with you, um, Russell is so new into motor racing. I mean, this is literally his second year in in cars, having done no go karting experience or anything like that. The only thing that he had done previously was the uh, lemons racing, which I think I heard you explain or him explain to you one time. Um, but yeah, so so um, it, it's worked very well. Um, and, you know, our, our objective this year was to get Russell some, some seat time, some more seat time in conjunction with the, the championship that they were they were doing, which is the, the PDC, the Pirelli Cup uh, series in, in, in the, on the West Coast in the uh, GT3 Cup car, the Porsches. So himself and the father, uh, Bryce, were, were racing and still are racing. In fact, I'm just going out the door now to the airport to fly to California um, for our final race of that series. Um, but we, we, we jumped into the, dipped our toes in the water with CJ Wilson Racing, had a fantastic partnership with them. Um, it was a one-year deal. Uh, they pretty much knew our, 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 our plan secretly um, when we went in there, that, that we wanted to branch out um, as Windward um, in 2018. So, yeah, our objectives were were were, were met. We got uh, a lot more seat time, and you know, as a team, we learned a lot from CJ Wilson Racing, and and uh, we're thankful for that. So that means then, dear Mo, that it's a a brand new team going forward. Does that mean recruiting mechanics, uh, team uh, personnel, etc., to run this car, or will you partner with another team to run the car and and just bring the cars uh, into the championship? Well, on the U.S. side, um, as Windward, we will we have our own uh, staff. I think we we will be looking for for a few more. I believe um, that's that's at the hands of uh, Grant Barkley, our team manager. Um, however, we will be teaming up with HTP, um, uh, and they will be bringing over personnel from from Germany uh-huh. um, to 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 aid us. So it'll be a joint effort between Windward and HTP. I was talking to Thomas Jaeger at the weekend at Petit. He was a very happy man, uh, and uh, I'm not surprised because he says seven GT4 AMG uh, GTs have been sold into the US from that fantastic facility that they had at the top of the hill at Turn 2 at Road Atlanta. Um, I believe the majority of those, if not all of them, will be going into GS in the Intercontinental Tire Sports Car Challenge for, for 2018. Uh, add uh, maybe as many as five brand new uh, GT4 Audis and three GT4 BMW M4s. That's quite apart from whoever else is already there who stays there. This is going to be a really healthy competition next year, but it's also, I think, uh, going to be possibly the most competitive GT4 championship in the world, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the whole IMSA series, um, the whole, everything under the the umbrella is really um, competitive, I think, and really healthy. And certainly there's a lot of momentum behind the, the Continental Tire Series. I mean, we we saw that even when, when we were going into it, speaking with CJ Wilson, first of all, um, you know, at, at, at the beginning of our negotiations and, and uh, you know, trying to predict how many cars are going to be in the series. And there was a multiple more, you know, in 2017 than there was in 2016. So it's a championship that's really on the up. Um, and, you know, it's a great time to be to be part of it. Um, it's very exciting. Competition is, you know, it's it's fantastic to have more competition. Um and yet, with the with the other manufacturers, the new manufacturers coming out with GT4 cars such as Mercedes, um, Audi, and and so on, um, there's you know obviously going the, the field is going to grow. Um, but I'd also say that you know there'll be a few, you know, like ourselves running this year with with manufacturers that that want to change, you know. So it, it, there'll be there'll be sort of musical chairs, um, and it, it'll grow, but it'll not grow. Um, it'll not grow you know some people will switch from existing manufacturers to Copy the new that. manufacturers yeah. um, and, and, but still I mean it looks really healthy for next year and um, I think we've put together a really um, strong package uh, you know HTP Motorsport have been around a long time they're a performance AMG team mm-hmm. and um, they've got fantastic personnel and um yeah, we've, we're 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 hoping that the partnership is going to be strong, uh, and what, we're going to be with obviously with the with these two round the clock races that we're doing in the off season, which is, you know, um, which is really sort of well unheard of for me anyway to have that much preparation before a season. But it'll be fantastic for not only myself and Russell, but for for Winward and HTP, so that you know when we get to Daytona, we'll, as I said in the release, we'll hit the ground sprinting. Uh, yeah, yeah, two. Round the clock races and your longest race of the year is only four hours, so that's that's a lot of time for the guys to get used to the car. I think that's a really good, good idea. Final question, Damon, because I know you've got to run. Uh, the uh, next year we get the introduction of TCR cars, uh, so it's a three-category championship for the IMSA Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge next year. That's going to add a bit of spice because those uh, TCR cars are pretty quick. Yeah, it's 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 going to be uh, a little more like the uh, the WeatherTech series, isn't it? With with multiple categories. Um, yeah, I mean it it it's it definitely adds a, you know a, another dimension. Um, still, you know, just just sort of strategy, racecraft, um, traffic management, all of that sort of stuff. So. Um, but you know it's good. I think it's healthy, um, and and uh, it's good for the series. I'm going to let you go, dear Mox. I know you've got to get to California. Thanks for the for the time. I'll see you in Austin, Texas. Is that when? Is that the first time you guys are going to see the car? By the way, um, I think it'll be delivered to the Windward Workshop uh, slightly before that, so they'll they'll obviously see it before I do. Um, but uh, and, and the Windward Workshop is on the the Ward family uh, garden, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of neat. Um, but uh, yeah, first time I'm going to see it is is, is going to be Coda, and I, I think 
the first time that we may drive it might be Coda as well. I'm not sure if this, if we're going to slide something into maybe MSR, which is uh, just up the road in Houston from from our base. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. And um, yeah, hopefully you'll not have it all your own way, John, because I know you're a bit of a dark horse, and uh, you know we're going to have to we're going to have to be on our toes. Sounds very exciting, Damo. Congratulations in being a part of this and helping pull it all together because I know you've been working on this for quite some time. Uh, Travel safely and we'll see you in Texas. John, thanks a million for your time. Thanks for the call. Damien Falk there talking to me uh, before, as you heard there, he was heading off to California uh, to meet up with his uh, Winwood Racing team and uh, Maxi Goats and Indy Donja. Uh, joining Damien Faulkner and Russell Ward in that AMG GT4. Those names won't immediately be well known to everybody, Nick, but we've seen those guys, Maxi Goats, uh, Indy uh, as well, in Creventic, yep. in Blancpain Racing. Over here. That is a strong team in a GT4 car. Yeah, I think you got a problem. I'm, I'm good at <laughs> You'll still have the best cakes and the best running commentary. And the best tea. And the best tea and the best car manufacturer, because I'm British. But I don't the coolest, think... The coolest. The coolest brand. car. The coolest but I brand. don't think you're going to win <laughs> against that lineup. Might not last. Your and only hope is that Faulkner forgets his passport, as he's wont to do, and everyone else forgets it with him. No, well, <laughs> uh, don't forget that car's been being tested by uh, Alson's team, who was testing one this weekend. No, they had, it's, it's, been, it's been as a test car as a test in car. the last two Creventic events. Yeah, it was at... Uh, and they were... F- the, 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 certainly at Port of Mal, they were actually were probably testing. They were doing a stint coming in. They were changing complete uh, shock absorber spring assemblies to see what the best the best solution for that GT4 version was. Marshall Pro from in uh, from uh, racer.com is still with us and uh, I mean that's great news for for Damien for for Russell Ward who I think has been sparkling this year for Winwood the team but also for the championship uh, because I I I'm, I'm serious I think that might be the best GT4 championship in the world next year. I'm with you. It's, it's just raging. I mean, granted, this team might need to seriously upgrade its its PR representation. But other than that, <laughs> uh, that, that's the only weak spot. Our friend Damon, Damon, Jesus, Declan Brennan, between Dex and Damon, the uh, demo. That's I don't even know. This is just getting silly. But yeah, I mean, the, this is this is a surprise, Andy. It really is. When uh, IMSA first started talking about, well, we're going to essentially gut what you know as the Conti series grand sport mm-hmm. and street tuner classes and replace them with a lot of things and go to different formulas, blah, blah, blah. I really thought they had lost the plot. And in reality, or as we have learned uh, a year or two later, uh, I just was blind and couldn't see the plot. And uh, again, in reality, I think what they've come up with is incredibly strong. And uh, yeah, wow. Uh, I've always enjoyed the Conti series back when it was the Coney series and, you know, in a variety of iterations. Yeah. This, this to me is looking pretty darn serious. The only question uh, I think we'll have to answer and uh, it will have to wait until we get to Daytona is with the, and this is in the GT, the kind of the TCR area more than GT4, but uh, knowing that a lot, 
many, I don't want to say a lot, but many of the teams involved in Street Tuner are smaller aftermarket businesses that use their efforts in ST to develop new parts that they sell, you know, aftermarket, mini, EMW, you name it. Will will moving to TCR uh, impact their businesses, and could we possibly lose some teams that say, "Hey, <laughs> I don't make parts and pieces for this car because this isn't really sold on the street, and it's too far removed yes. from what a customer customer might want from me." So that's the only again. That's the only. Well, thing and I, let's not I, forget, I, MP TCR cars are factory built racing cars. I, you know, I, and that I understand why that is the the draw. For some people, uh, who well, you know, it's it's got a resale value. It's come from Audi or from, uh, you know, uh, VW or from Seat or from whoever. Uh, Ford and Alpha, by the way, also uh, about to uh, uh, announce programs in uh, TCR class of GS for 2018, um, at least two Alphas and possibly more. Um, so that would be Juliet. That would be Julietus, mind you. Because um, they have to be front-wheel drive. BMW have an opportunity to develop one. You know, I, I understand uh, as the the new one series is going to front-wheel drive. Um, I, I understand why uh, it's it's so much of a draw for some teams. But by the same token, as you rightly say, um, they aren't developed by the teams who are racing them, and therefore for maybe as many people as it turns on, it might turn off. I hope that's not the case. Um, I, I, I love Street Tuner. I think it's great. I love the thoughts behind it. Um, and I think that is the worry going forward. I, I, I'm not I'm not being a little black rain cloud here at all. And what I will say is what Marshall said there as well is that we've looked at some of the, the bold, brave decisions that IMSA have made in since the new iteration of IMSA has come on board. And there has been more than a few people, sometimes sometimes other people who've sort of raised an eyebrow. But so far, Marshall, all of those new formulae have worked and have worked very, very quickly. They have. We also shouldn't be surprised. Well, because if we're talking about buying off-the-shelf vehicles that have a known domestic or international standard that they must be built towards. And by and large, it is large automotive factories through their competition arms or specialist constructors making things out of carbon fiber tubs and otherwise in prototype or whatever. We shouldn't be surprised. So I had they chosen some formulas that were odd, then yeah, I think it would be easier to pick apart some decisions. We'll also temper this with, do I think the direction they've chosen for the PC classes replacement in LMP3 slash IMSA lights, that being a support series, do I think that's going to end up being as beneficial to teams wanting to move up to the bigger series uh, compared to actually being able to run in a Pro-Am prototype class within the WeatherTech Championship. I'm still not sold on the decision. I Don't get me wrong, I love the LMP3 cars, the IMSA lights. It's groomed a lot of young talent already. We've seen both come up. We saw Colin Thompson crowned as a yep. champion. The, the Norma, of all things, yep. Heidi, was the chassis to deliver the championship. No one would have predicted that. Yep. Anybody with a brain would have said, Liget, period, they're going to win. Whomever is driving Liget is going to be the uh, champion. Didn't turn out that way. So there's, again, there's some great stuff going on there. Just if you look at linkage, 
We have this series. It's meant to be something that grows and grooms and gets you up. Uh, I'm hoping it will become that. Yeah. I'm just not sure it will in that iteration. The other, only other thing I'll mention, and this isn't IMSA specific by any means, but it's a concern. Uh, as a person who's old enough to have built race cars by hand, mm. to have taken a body, actually not even a body in white, just a, you know, a pre-production car, strip it down, uh, have, you know, roll cage installed, modify this, that, actually take a, a car, either supplied by a manufacturer, bought, whatever it is, actually a shop, an American shop, a Canadian shop, whatever it is, taking a car building it to go race in a professional, mostly professional series, something like what Coney was, what uh, yeah. the Continental Tire Series has become. The fact that we've more or less written that out from being a possibility, that saddens me. The fact that if I want to go racing in these series, I need a phone number to call someone yeah. and X amount of money to do it. There is a part of me, and I hopefully don't sound like the old guy being too nostalgic, but... I do. I'm. I'm a little concerned that the thought of you and I, our our, our favorite Megan's Motorsports effort, uh, <laughs> being able to go into the uh, Hindoff shed with welding equipment and mm. stuff to cut and shape, we can't do that right anymore. Well, well, well. Uh, the guys who are bringing the Alpha, that's not an Alpha built car. They asked Alpha if they could build one, and they were given effectively the OK to do it, and they've had to ask. Alpha North America, if they can bring it over. So if you can identify a gap in the marketplace and find yeah, fair point, fair point, uh, someone to do, I, I think the Ford's the same as well. Uh, by the way, that debut of Winwood Motorsport and their GT4 Mercedes Benz uh, at the 24 Hours of Court will be live in Sound and Vision here on the uh, Radio Show Limited network of channels. Uh, I think that'll be on RS1 if. My memory serves. It will. Uh, and it will be Johnny Palmer and Joe, Joe Bradley. Bradley in the booth. And our pit squad consists of Nick Damon, Shea Adam and Andrew Marriott for that race. And that is November the 9th, 10th, 11th, Nick? Something like that? Or 8th, no, 9th and 10th? L- no, it's and this 11th, is... tw- uh, I think it's, 9th, it's 10th, 11th, 12th. 10th, 11th, 12th. Okay, and it's about that time anyway. It's that weekend. Yes, and absolutely. And weekend. this is... This is Steve Winwood's team from uh, the Spencer right. Davids group. Yeah, that okay, higher love. Yes. It, it will be <laughs> a higher they, love. They won't uh, break down, they just keep on running. Uh, so that, don't miss that. Uh, keep an eye on the calendars and the schedules at the bottom of the page. Meantime, before we let Marshall go, Tim Gray has a question for him. Well, obviously there's a big oh, announcement Jesus. tomorrow. i got to go. Oh, <laughs> there's a big announcement tomorrow, Marshall. <laughs> Uh, and I've heard various rumours uh, about uh, what might be included in that announcement, uh, to the extent that I've put myself uh, a week in a hotel in Oregon uh, next summer. Is that a good move? I believe it would be a pretty good move. This is IndyCar schedule, is it? It is. Ah, very good. Uh, I thought this was Tim doing an Iron Man thing, some sort of uh, 47 hours type move, getting stuck with a rock. And no, um, uh, everything that I know uh, has said that this has happened very quickly. The uh, return of Portland as an IndyCar event uh, and 
I won't wow. put any names on it, but I, I can say that a dear friend of Midweek Motorsports, dear friend, Dario Franchitti, uh, is one of the players involved and has been in bringing uh, this Portland Grand Prix back to life. So uh, seriously hoping that that does happen. Uh, if it does happen, I think it could be at Watkins Glen's expense. Not really? because Watkins Glen hasn't been a fantastic venue for IndyCar upon its uh, return in 2016, but those things that go in the seats that help pay for it, called fans, mm. uh, have not been nearly enough of those. This year, weather conspired against them for sure, yeah. but yeah, so I think we might lose that, but we'll see. We'll see. But yes, Tim, to your point, I haven't been to Portland since, I think, America Le Mans Series 2005-2006. Jill Campbell was it, the promoter there, and she'll be off to Laguna tomorrow to see Jill again in her uh, more uh, the role that we've become more accustomed to her in. Yeah, so heading down there tomorrow, but I know that uh, I've driven to Portland probably 20 times for various races over the years and would love to, to do that drive again. So I would recommend for anybody, uh, provided this all gets confirmed, uh, don't just fly into Portland, actually fly into San Francisco and drive up. Yeah, it is gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, we'll be there tomorrow only for the, uh, the eight hour, the promoter test day for the intercontinental eight hours of Monterey or whatever exactly it's being called. And uh, we'll see some friends there. Going to capture a couple podcasts with folks been trying to for some time and uh, do a couple videos and yeah so tomorrow's kind of a my wife's let me go for one day i told her that petite lamar was the end of my season but she said so if you're going to another track for another event is that really the end of the season to which i said okay i'll just go one day okay. so uh, some sad news to finish off with uh, with you uh, mp tonight the 1975 Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year uh, died on Monday, uh, October the 9th. Monday, just gone at the age of 81. Bill Hutterbar, we're talking about, originally from Illinois, uh, 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 Illinois, and raced out of the St. Louis area uh, until he moved to Indianapolis in the the 1960s. Very proud uh, of the fact that he made. Uh, three consecutive starts in the Indy 500 from 75 to 77 and never dropped out. Uh, and uh, Sadly, we, we spend a lot of time at the moment talking about some people that shaped the sport in our younger days who are sadly no longer with us. Yeah, he was the first Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, actually, Heindy, that he by chance that happened to be the year where they introduced that uh, that honoring. So, yeah, I mean, look, we recently lost Bruce Levin heading into the Monterey IMSA event. Yep. And for those who are uh, keen on the IMSA GTP era, he was a giant of that series as an entrant. Uh, yeah, we're just at that sad place it seems like this year brother where you know the worst part of what you do and i do and others do and the telling the story side is having to write obituaries and i'm not complaining i'm just sharing um it seems like we've written too many of those this year and uh between that and a lot of craziness happening in the world around us um lightness and levity and uh, a fewer obituaries would be something that I would definitely, uh, if I could click my heels and make it happen, I would wish that for everybody. Uh, Tim is going to, I'm sure, ask you one more question, which uh, is probably, what did Simon Pagino have to say to you a moment ago? No, it I, I, wasn't, it was a Portland thing, because okay. I've never been to Portland, oh, and just as nice. I was about to uh, go to Portland, they took it off the calendar. So for a decade, I've been waiting uh, for something 
uh, of significance to happen there, so I can go and well, actually now watch you, a race. Now you've done it. I just got a call from Mark Miles who said it's off the calendar because you said you were going. Thanks, Tim. Don't worry, I can, can- I can cancel uh, my uh, room and get a full refund, uh, uh, which is great. Thank you, IHG. Rewards Club. Yes, all good. MP, thanks, mate, and uh, see you soon. Have a have a good time down at Mazaris Villa Laguna Seca. Say hi to Jill and the rest of the team. Thanks, brother. Marshall Pruitt joining us uh, live on the line from California uh, with uh, his look at the American scene, the man from racer.com. Just over five minutes left to go. I know Tim wants to squeeze a couple of things in, but um, talking about big announcements, and it is that indie schedule announcement for 2018 tomorrow, so keep an eye on social media for that indie car. There's another one as well, and that is at Fuji. Really? Yeah, not Suzuka. Blimey. Um, and that is what Toyota did next. Now, this this isn't a children's novel, although, it, you know... It's, Hello, children. Yes. Everyone's writing children's novels right now. Yeah, well... Once upon a time, Toyota had friends to play with. Then both their friends left and went home to Germany. Nick what will Toyota do now? <laughs> That's pretty much the gist of it, though. Um, Toyota, we will find out tomorrow, um, presumably. They've scheduled a press conference talk about the transition season of WWE. super season. The transition season. <laughs> I've, I've decided I'm not going to call really? it that. Really? Oh, give us some hyperbole. Go on. Um, uh, the exceptionally transitional transition the season. The longer season. Yeah, well, it is a longer season. The stretch season. season. The stretch season. I quite like that as well. What, are they, what do you think they're going to say? Are they going to... Uh, well, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you. What do you think they're going to say? Are they in or are they out right now? Out. Completely. I don't see the point. I know they've got to, I know they've got to win Le Mans, which is a tick, which is, I suppose, a, a potential tick. But given what um, the ACO says, if you want Gerard to go to Le Mans, Mans. Mm. you've got to do all... Uh, sorry, how many events? Is it, is it nine, nine in the Super Season? I think it's ten in the Super ten, Season, isn't it? You have to do all ten to get your entry to what to the to Le Mans. I, I just don't see the, the value. I mean, they haven't really got another, another programme to go to because the, the rally hasn't or been taken off. Or do they? I don't know. I think... Do you think uh, the noises coming out of Persia over the last two weeks will have uh, helped them make up their mind? I think it strengthens their, I think it strengthens their position it does with, with it, the WEC and the ACO because they are the only factory team in town right now in prototypes. Let's not forget that GT is still incredibly well populated by factory teams and, and by OEMs, original I'll equipment manufacturers. Tell you something, they just don't put them I'll in. I'll tell you something, they do announce they're pulling out the um, the phone to Junetta is going to be running off the hook. Yeah, or SMP. Yes, either of those. Or Delara. Or well, well that's, yeah. that's the SMP car. Um, I I have this feeling, because it's a Japanese manufacturer... But I don't want them to pull it out. No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't take from that that you did. Um, I have this feeling, because it's a Japanese manufacturer and they like to do things with honour, that... Um, and, and let's... Let's just rewind here, dear listener, to the start of the WAC. Peugeot were the people, and I'm not bashing Peugeot here. There was a lot of good reasons why they couldn't do it, Um, mainly because they were making a shocking great loss and laying a lot of people off in France and doing motorsport looked a bit profligate, frankly. But Peugeot had bashed on for ages about having a world championship and how important it was. And then as soon as LMEM, the people who run the championship on behalf of the ACO and the ACO announced it. They announced they're pulling out, costing Marino Franchitti's drive as he was on the way to Sebring to test the car. That would have left the first season with one manufacturer. Toyota stepped up and 
massively accelerated their program to get a car into the championship adds some financial cost to themselves Nick and some cost to their reputation because that car wasn't ready and they weren't competitive I just wonder whether they might say to the to the ACO and to, to Gerard Navo of LMAM and WAC, guys, come on, we helped you out at the start. We want to come and do a couple of rounds at Spa, a couple of the Le Mans 24s and Fuji, at least one more time, not Suzuka. Um, and, because they'll say that in the facts. Um, and, you know... I'm sure it'll be an email. Well, um, you know, and if I'm a P1 privateer team i don't mind that so much i don't mind taking on toyota at le mans with a balance of performance with the potential of things going wrong with le mans being le mans i don't want toyota in every six hour race for the next 18 months because in the six hour races no matter what the bop is unless they take one wheel off the toyota you're not going to beat them no um and unless they have reliability problems but there we have it turned down so much won't they It'll be mandated that it'll be turned down. That'll be pushy uh, things. It's going to be... So if Toyota announced tomorrow... My, my, so my point is, if Toyota announced tomorrow, we want to come and do Le Mans a couple of times. There's plenty of other teams that go to Le Mans who aren't in the WEC. Big, high-profile manufactured teams like Corvette. Um, so, you know, we're going to do that. That's what we'd like to do. Then, you put the, then effectively, you've put the ball back in to the WEC side of the net... And then do the WEC say, does Gerard Nouveau then have to follow through with his threat of the the nuclear option and say, nope, I told you, if you don't if you don't announce the whole thing, you can't come. Can't afford that. And then Toyota get to say, well, we would have loved yeah, to have gone. But they can't afford There that. is still always the possibility of them saying that they're going to do it and then doing Spa and Le Mans and then saying, actually, no, we're not going to do I it. I don't think Because they're, they're not going to throw them out. But I don't think that they are that type of company, Tim. No. Honestly, I don't. No. And that comes back to the Japanese thing again. Th- th- that would be dishonourable. That would be saying something and doing something else. Uh, and I just don't think Toyota and the people behind Toyota Motorsport in Europe and in Japan, I don't think they're that type of company. And and, and I don't think they'll... I, I also don't think that, given what I've said about how they've behaved, how honourably they have behaved... Um, how much of a fan favourite they are because of the heartbreak that they've had at Le Mans and how they did in the first season, what they did in the first season. Um, I think that would be a really, really tough decision, Nick, to make for the ACO and for the WAC to say, no, sorry, we don't want you. Go away. We'll be very interested to see which way they're going. If your money was on it, you would say? I still... I I think if they can have the ideal solution of three races next year including Le Mans get a chance to win then they go for that but obviously it is about the brinkmanship isn't it about from both sides I don't think they want to do 18 more months of it with no competition that's for sure no uh, Tim Greer was our executive producer up in London Nick Damon was here with me at Hindoff Towers thanks to Marshall Pruitt also to Damien Faulkner for squeezing in a telephone interview as I was coming in from the airport and he was going out which was a nice bit of symmetry and Declan Brennan set that up Dex thanks very much mate I know you're listening tonight uh, good luck to uh, Winwood in what they do in the future except when they have the debut no look at all I didn't mean that at all I'm looking forward to seeing that car on the track I'm sure I'll see a lot of the back of it uh, not very much of the front unless you see the front in, in your mirror when they're coming around to lap me yeah possibly uh, there's no time to explain uh, the Llama 
Yeah, what is the llama doing this? Oh, oh no! Uh, the the, the la- llama's uh, going to read the news in Spanish that the listener won't hear. <laughs> Will it be Spanish or Catalan, though? No. Oh. There's the big question. Uh, see you next week. And uh, don't forget, uh, this weekend we've got uh, WEC qualifying and the whole race. Have we got qualifying, actually? If it's uh, yes, we Bruce have. that's doing that. Okay. Um, and uh, the whole race. And uh, we might have a bit of TT Cup Legends as well if we can get the right facilities, which we are working on even as we speak. See you next week. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.